Hey, welcome to the 251st episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in a world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gman from heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Sometimes I talk about movies. I might start doing some random, like off my mind complaints or thoughts, but currently we're looking at 1980s the new teen titans by marv wolfman and george perez so you can hear about how that series started and really the formation of the team that we all know when we you know think about the cartoons and everything like that but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck all right full disclosure I've been getting my butt kicked this past week. First week off of school, I get slammed by allergies. Man, oh my goodness. Usually it doesn't affect me. It affects like the other people in my house. But I've been fine, you know, been living here for for years and years. Kind of got, I mean, it used to affect me before. Never really, really happened. And then last Sunday, oh my God, it it just started hitting me. And then it's just constant like stuffing it the worst part is like trying to sleep it's like you can't breathe because you know I, I try to breathe through my nose so i'm just not like snoring away all night and and it's like you you it's like you're suffocating and just the just constant headache and you know take trying to take allergy medicine and just just feeling so sluggish so it's like i felt like oh you know school's gonna be out i'll be posting on a website be doing some stuff maybe do some videos or do some Oh man, it's just it's it's been tough. So that being said, I've been actually kind of dreading recording this. I've been putting it off. I was just like, man, I don't, I don't know if I want to if I can sit there for like three hours plus. But the show must go on, right? So so if I if I sound a little little nasally or something, it's uh, I'm just try, trying to deal with this. And and yes, I got, I got a massive headache. It's gotten a little better the past couple of days, but. Oh my goodness, it's just, it's exhausting. And I feel bad for people that have to deal with this often. And like I said, I, I guess I've been lucky. But so what's going to happen on this show? We have a movie feature is Lightyear. And I'll just say right now, I really liked it. It, it, was, it was really something. You can hear more about Ms. Marvel, The Boys, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Man Who Fell to Earth, The Times Traveler's Wife, and The Flash. The nice thing, I hate to say it, but like Tuesday, I'm getting already. It's like, okay, because I, I got a little behind, you know, watching Time Traveler's Wife and Man Who Fell to Earth. And I was, normally I watch both of those on Sunday because that's when they, they air. But it was like, finally, like Tuesday, I'm, I'm finishing up watching. I was like, okay, it's it's about time to check the DVR for Superman and Lois because, you know, I let it start a little bit. And I was like, Wait, it didn't record? I was like, oh man, did, did something happen? I looked up, it wasn't on this week. So the nice thing is, that's one less thing for me to talk about. <laughs> I know that's bad, but... Uh, so let's get started with the news. I had heard this before. I think this came out like a, a week ago or so. Maybe it was like... But according to Hollywood Reporter, Lady Gaga is apparently in talks to play Harley in Joker 2. 
okay. I mean, Lady Gaga. I'm I'm not like the biggest Lady Gaga fan. I mean, she she can sing. She's got talent. You know, I I saw A Star Is Born with Bradley Cooper, and and yeah, the, the music in there. She she did a really good job. I even got the soundtrack. I actually don't listen to it. I can't remember last time, but it, but she's good, and she, and she could act, and and I know she was in. Was it American Horror Story? Is that what the show's called? Which I, I still need to finish that first season. Maybe someday. I don't know. So she's she's got talent. She, I'm sure she can do it. All right. I mean, I, I guess the thing is, I'm not like super gung-ho excited about the idea of a sequel just because it's not Joker. So that's why I'm okay with it. And I they've made it clear that this has, you know, this isn't in Mar- in the DC cinematic universe if that even exists anymore. So it doesn't mean she's replacing Margot Robbie because you know we don't even know if Margot Robbie wants to. You know, she loves the role, but I think you know she kind of wants a break because you know she's done it with three times already. Should she decide to do another one, or should Warner Brothers, whoever decide we have another movie that could use her, she's still in 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 the in the game. All right, we'll, we'll see. I I just. I mean, I'll watch Joker too, but I just I'm I'm have no expectations or no interest right now. But I I will watch it. I'm not, yeah. So we have all that. Uh, what I think is interesting is there's a I hadn't heard this is the first I'm hearing about this. I I think unless I just totally missed it and just didn't really pay attention. There's a Astro Boy TV series coming. I don't know where that that's the thing that that kind of uh, bothers me a little bit. Is I, I would love to know like. Is it gonna be on Amazon? Is it gonna be on Netflix? Is it gonna be on Apple? Like, where is this gonna gonna be? It's gonna be on Peacock or something. But apparently, Thomas Astruck is gonna be directing it. Uh, it's gonna be CGI. And it's supposed to be like fifty-two episodes. I don't know if that means like total, like it would be fifty-two episodes broken down into seasons, and then that's gonna be the entire thing because that that's a lot of episodes. So uh, Thomas Astruck, I guess he did a French animated miraculous tales of ladybug and cat noir that sounds really familiar and i i meant to look it up to see if i if i know anything about it off the top of my head i, I don't know but it sounds familiar but i really like astro boy uh there's something about it and and the recent recent the the movie that came out in the last 10 years or i don't remember when it came out that was okay you know with nicholas cage and i forget who else was in it but I, there's always something about the character, and I, I have like one of the like oversized like manga collections, and I don't know. It, it just it's some of the old school anime manga stuff that I just really appeals to me. Like like Speed Racer, you know. <laughs> if you looked at my Instagram last week, was like Speed Racer week, but no no particular reason. I mean, there is a Speed Racer show coming at some point. We know nothing about it except it's going to be at Apple TV. So hopefully, fingers crossed on that as well. Um, some sad news. I, and I don't normally talk about comic news in the beginning, but just why, so I don't forget. Legendary artist, I'll say, Tim Sale passed away last week. Uh, so what was it? Thursday, I think. I think word got out. Uh, he recently was admitted to the hospital for an unknown illness. We don't know. I don't know if, if it's been. We don't need to know. I mean, it's none of our business. But he was he was sixty six, and I mean, the guy was just amazing and. Just his his artwork, you know. If you look at like Long Halloween and you know Spider Man Blue and Daredevil Yellow, Hulk Gray, Captain America Red, White, Blue, was that what it's called? So he's just re- really it, it's it's sad when you know all these legends are, are passing away. And and I mean for for us, for a lot of us, you know, we're getting older, so 
more people that we look up to admire or care about are, are passing away because that's that's the the sadness of, of life so uh you know sympathies to his friends and family uh, i think i have talked to him I, I i'm pretty sure i talked to him one time maybe like at a WonderCon, like early on i don't think i interviewed him but uh, he, he seemed like a cool guy and and it from my my instagram feed you know everyone's posting you know thoughts and memories about him so it, it's it's a shame disney plus is apparently work going to be doing a wonder man series with simon williams so okay that'll be interesting um dustin daniel cretton and uh is is going to be in charge of it so i guess that's he did a uh, shang chi my man I, my my brain is like not working right now but so he did shang chi shang shang chi <laughs> and uh i remember when it came out that you know he's gonna be doing a shang chi too i th- i think right and he also signed on to do Disney Plus show. So we're like, oh, is it going to be a, a series about his sister or something? You know, some spinoff thing. Nope. I have nothing to do with Shang-Chi. It's going to be about Simon Williams. Further, he can't get any further from Shang-Chi than, than white Simon Williams, which, okay, that, that's, that's going to be cool. Andrew Guest from the community is going to be one of the writers and possibly like direct some, some episodes. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that's, I look forward to hearing more about that, and we'll have to wait and see when that's going to happen. Taika Watiti, who I somehow, how did I miss the fact that he was voicing in Lightyear? He, he's great. I mean, I, I just love everything he does. There's something about him. But he talked a little bit about his upcoming Star Wars whatever movie and saying how it's going to be characters that aren't in the Skywalker saga. And, you know, he wants to do, like, different characters and all that. And, you know, I've, I've voiced my opinion on, on this before that, for me, it's like, then why do I care about these characters? And that that's going to be, that's part of the struggle. You know, you need to sell it to me. And, and, and yeah, I want to see more about these others. But he has, I mean, I, I will admit, he makes a really good point that he, because basically what, what he says is, is if it was connected in any way, it just makes the galaxy seem smaller. You know, because we, we're seeing so many things connected, and and he kind of mentions like, oh, here's like Chewbacca's grandmother, or this and you know whatever. So it's it's going to be brand new characters, different part, and I'm okay with that. You know, we'll see. Mainly because it's Taika Waititi. If it was like some other random person that I wasn't like invested in, I'd be like, all right, we'll see. But I'm I'm really curious, and you know if it's something that's not Jedi related, even though you know obviously the Jedi stuff is really cool, but this could be something just to freshen it up a bit. But it's it'll be a tough sell because what why why is it not going to be just another random sci-fi movie? You know what's going to make it Star Wars? You know how do you capture that feeling? So it's gonna it's gonna be a, a, a challenge, and and I look forward to seeing how that's going to play out. HBO stuff. Apparently, there's going to be a Jon Snow Game of Thrones sequel series. So, spoiler to me, I guess Jon Snow survives at the end of the series if it's a sequel series. And, and yes, I know spoilers. I because I don't know what I'm talking about. I know at some point didn't he die at some point, and then somehow he comes back. I still have no idea how he came back. I really should catch up on it sometime i mean maybe oh man so i could say like maybe this summer i should try but there's just like so much to watch it's like i just i, I can't can't keep up with everything 
Oh, man. But So good news to Game of Thrones fans, if you want more Jon Snow. Uh, there was a new trailer for Westworld Season 4. I think that's coming out next week. I don't think it was this week, as, as I, I could be totally off. I need to decide if I'm going to be talking about that or not. Um, I don't know if there's interest in it and hearing... Because I, I, I feel that the problem with me covering it is, for whatever reason, because I... Like, right now, if I had to name the characters i can only tell you dolores and that's just because she's in a trailer or the rachel evan wood of uh, evan rachel wood <laughs> i can't even get her name right because i suck at, at names the, the new trailer looks oh so what i was, I was saying so I'm, i can't my brain remember my brain's not working this week i feel like there's this oh i know mave <laughs> i remember that name right that is her name mave also anyways there's just so many characters and, and i feel like I feel like there's just so much complexity to the show and some of it, it's like the force mysterious stuff, like where all the answers aren't revealed. And then you get this little glimpse and it's like, what the heck is going on? And I feel like when there's like some of this confusion stuff, I'm, I'm like, did I just miss something? Am I forgetting something? Am I supposed to know what this means or where this goes or who, wait, who is this person? Oh yeah. They were from season two. And I totally forgot about that because so I don't know if I'm the best to, to cover it. And I don't, I mean, maybe, maybe I just take a strong, strong stance for my sake and just say, I'm just going to watch it for fun and not have to worry about trying to remember everyone's name. I don't know. Uh, well, uh, I guess it, it's going to depend on what else is going on, but, but maybe I, I just, maybe I don't cover it because I just feel like I'm not going to do it justice. I feel like I'm going to be like some amateur trying to talk about it and I don't want to like force something. Or maybe I just try to do like just super brief and just say, yeah, it was a cool episode. You know, this happened, but just not go like as in depth. That will make my life a little easier because I I don't know. I I sometimes feel like the show's too long. I'm rambling right now. So, anyways, new trailer. New trailer looks cool. Uh, You know, if if you remember last season, which I barely remember, I remember some of it, but something uh, pretty drastic happened to Dolores. But then Dolores is like walking around all fine and dandy. It's like, wait, what's going on here? So that's part of the cool thing about the show is just the weirdness and the complexity and you know you never really know what to expect. So I'm looking forward to it. I just I'm not really looking forward to covering it cuz like I said I don't feel like I can do it justice. Also at HBO Max apparently there's going to be a new Batman animated feature. I think it's a feature not a series. So Batman animated feature Batman Azteca. Okay. And I don't know if it, I, I, I thought I saw something about this is being done through like HBO, Latin HBO or something like that. Cause I know there's a whole division, whatever. And, uh, okay. It's, it's basically Batman, you know, his parents getting killed, vengeance, whatever. But as a, an Aztec times, I mean that that's all fine and dandy, and I know I just said fine and dandy, right? But I, I'm I'm kind of looking at it. It's like, do we really need like an Elseworlds Batman story? It's like of all of the DC characters, you know, anyone that you could do a, a feature movie on, and you're doing another one on Batman, and it's not even Batman. It's just like an alternate version of Batman that we've never even seen before. So there could be some cool thing and you know highlighting things about culture and all that, but. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I mean, yeah, I'm going to watch it. And I'm sure I'll talk about it, but it just seems like an odd, odd choice. So <laughs> I don't know. 
Justin Lin is going to be directing One Punch Man, live action One Punch Man at Sony's. Did I know Sony was was releasing doing a li- live action? So I mean, good for Sony because what you know, right now, what's what's what franchises do Sony? I'm sure they have more. You know, they have Spider Man. They have the Morbius <laughs> franchise, right? No. So uh, it, it, that could be cool to see what Justin Lin does with One Punch Man. Um, I still need to finish watching that, you know, catch up on that. Uh, I, 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 there's something charming about that show. I don't know. I, I, I kind of dig it. You know, I'm, I am not up to date on today's anime, but I, I did start watching that and, and enjoyed that. And apparently the Cobra Kai creators are developing a Duke Nukem movie at legendary legendary pictures um okay <laughs> uh we'll we'll see and uh duke nukem i mean in today's day and age i like i i feel like the the pc police would would be like all over that and i i remember playing one of the games like i know the first uh playstation where you walk into like a strip club and you know there's no nudity and everything but like you could go up to like a girl dancing at a pole or something like that, and if you press like the X button or something like that, then she'll do a little dance or something like that, like maybe shake her butt. I don't know, and and that was it. So it's like, what what's the the purpose of, of this that you make this where you can go and interact with this you know non playable character, and she'll do a little little jig for you, <laughs> and and just it's not a, it's not PC. So you know what are they gonna do? And how you know we'll see. We shall see. And uh, the last bit of news, I believe, is uh, Jason Schwartzman. Um, do I know who Jason Schwartzman is? The name sounds familiar. Jason Schwartzman is going to be the spot in Spider-Man Across the Multiverse. <laughs> the sp- I, I like the spot as a villain. I, I think there's something... Uh, kind of comedic, something. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a fascinating character, and you know, he does have a, his appeal. I don't think he's like next level, like the uber villain. You know, Kingpin was supposed to be like the main bad guy in in the first movie. I don't see the spot as being the big villain, unless he unless he's gonna level up. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just weird how his powers might work, but. And uh, maybe they're going to tie that into the multiverse somehow, some stuff. We'll see. But uh, that's interesting. I mean, I feel like he's such an obscure character. I remember when he he debuted in in Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man. I think he was in, I feel like he was in one of the animated series. I don't think he was in a 90s one. Was he in Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon? He was in, I I feel like he was. So I I like the character. I, I look forward to seeing him, but don't see him as the uber ultra villain but we'll find out and but that is all we're going to find out about news because that is the news for the week all right with comic books at image there was a bone orchard mythos uh passageway i feel like i'm so out of the loop sometimes which is so bad since this is what i'm supposed to be doing but whatever i haven't heard i didn't hear about this comic coming out and so this is jeff lemire and andrea sorrentino you know they did gideon falls they then they, they did a they did green arrow they, they've done other stuff together right i i love i mean jeff lemire is an amazing writer i mean he's like everything he does is just brilliant but and andrea sorrentino his art it's just it's he's so good with the creepy stuff 
I, th I think the first time I noticed his art was during uh, I Vampire uh, with with uh, Joshua Hale Fialkov, and there's just this. I don't even know how to just how would okay. So what's this kind? Of, let's. <laughs> I'm just, I'm getting so excited. I and plus my stupid head's like just my brain's not working. From the creative team of Gideon Falls and Primordial comes the first book in a bold and ambitious new shared horror universe. When a geologist is sent to a remote lighthouse to investigate strange phenomenon, he finds a seemingly endless pit in the rocks. But what lurks within, and how will he escape its pull? That's, that's the last sentence sounds a little weird. So, uh, The Passageway is the first of a dozen new interconnected projects make up the Bone Orchard mythos from Lemire and Sorrentino. So, it's a hardcover. It's, it's uh, I forget how many pages, like 100 pages or something like that. It's it's $18, but it's it's definitely <laughs> worth it. But there's just something about, you know, it's just just the, the whole mood and the vibe. You know, we hit, have this guy, he goes, he takes a boat to this island. There's like, uh, there's a, a lighthouse and then he, he sees, you know, this, this hole in the ground and, you know, it's like, so, you know, that can't be good. And there's like this one woman living on an island and he's like, you know, when, how often is like, do you take shifts? How? And she's like, no, I, I stay here. You know, she has always been under. And then just this, this hole just appeared and she's like, I don't even know what happened to the rocks that were covering there. And, you know, she, I guess, tried, tried throwing a rock down there. Didn't hear it hit or something like that. He tries it too. And then he's going to send a drone down there and it's, but it's just like creepy. And then you're like, what happened? So, you know, nothing good is going to come out of this. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's pretty creepy. And then, then you find out there's a little bit more about the characters and stuff like, you know, some backstory. So it's, it's just a very, very interesting book. I highly recommend it. And you know, it's, it's going to be worth it. You know, like I said, it's, it's a hard cover. So, you know, you, you, you get a lot with it. There's also eight billion genies number two. So this is an interesting book. This is this is by Charles Soule and Ryan Brown. In the first issue, we saw that basically everyone got their own genie. So that's why it's eight billion genies. Everyone gets their own genie. You get one wish, and you can imagine the sort of chaos and pandemonium that that's going to cause. If everyone in the world can wish for whatever they want. Things are just going to go go nuts and. In the last issue, you know, it's, it starts off in this, this little bar. The dude, like right away, he makes a wish that none of the wishes in the outside world will affect what's going on in, inside the bar. So he right away, without even thinking, just uses his wish like that. And people are like, well, like well, dude, what are you doing or whatever? But then you can see like the world is just chaos, fire, you know, destruction, everything outside. But the little bar is standing still because it's, it's protected by this wish. And yeah, so... There's, there's like other things and, and, you know, you have to think carefully and, you know, everything. So it's, it's really interesting concept. And uh, I'm just, I'm really captivated. So like, okay, what's, what's going to happen? You know, where, where is this, this going to go? And it, it's a, it's a eight issue miniseries. So I, I can't wait to, to see more radiant black issue 15. So this is Kyle Higgins and uh, Eduardo Ferragato. And, um, this is just an interesting story, you know, with this superhero who got this, he's, if you want to call him a super, he's kind of a superhero, you know, got these powers. Someone else had him before he did, long story. And so now he's, you know, what does he do with the powers? You know, he's, he's trying to be a hero, but, you know, it's like, how does he make a living or whatever? And then these uh, fan film, this unauthorized fan film is, is happening. And, you know, he's not super crazy about that, but then, um, 
he ends up going over there. And then this, there's, there's these like other people, like these villains that they, they actually, they have like some power suits and stuff like that. They get powered off of like being in proximity of, of radiant black. So it's like, well, what do you do with that? Cause then there's this one woman who's just like, no, I'm turning over new leaf or whatever. And it's like, okay, really? But I, I know that's like a horrible job of explaining it, but it's, I'm just, I'm really, uh, really, um, again fascinated here like where this isn't going and i i like this this little world that because you know we also had ready radiant red the that series so I'm, I'm curious to see more of this then there's seven sons this is number one this is a seven issue series this is by uh robert windham kevin mayo and with art by jay lee and so it says, Jay Lee returns to create her own comics with his first new title since 1994. Seven-issue limited series, Seven Sons, is The Fugitive meets The Book of Revelation. Delph, a young man who may be the second coming of Christ, runs for his life as he attempts to learn the truth behind his existence. So as we you see the story, you know, it starts coming out and um, it's, it's kind of brutal in a way because... If you think, and and I've I've always thought about this, you know, I I, I think I may have talked about it at one point where I had this dream where like, you know, there was a second coming and it was just like a normal dude and it's just like and it it caught it, yeah it was this little dream and it kind of caused like this big war like you know two factions o- over you know is this you know Jesus Christ resurrected or is this not and, you know people you know so it's kind of similar like that and you know there's gonna be groups that don't want to believe this and you know they're gonna go to extreme means to try to prevent this person from saying anything or doing anything and um but the fact that because there there's seven sons that were like all born at the same time and you know there's i I think there's like virgin births and stuff like that so uh it's it's definitely an interesting idea so we'll we'll see where where this is going to go then uh unfortunately at idw there's j joe morning morning adventures issue four four so i didn't read this and i i'm (laughs) this this was an interesting series and you know it's it's kind of in the line of the animated the or anime the cartoon we're basically speaking of genies where cobra commander gets gets a a, G, a genie a, like a lamp and he starts using it and uh i i'm really curious how does this series is going to end because it's 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 been pretty pretty interesting and then i was like oh there's probably nothing at boom this week so i, I didn't even look and then right before i started recording i looked and Grim number two came out. So I was late with the first issue. So it looks like I'm going to be late with, with this second issue. What it uh, the description is, Jessica Harrow finds herself trapped between the worlds of the living and the dead, something that no other Reaper has ever experienced. Just what makes her so special? Can she make her way back to the afterlife? And what exactly is going to happen now that she can walk amongst the living? So basically, Grim is like this girl. She's, she's basically a Grim Reaper, but she's not like the whole cloak and skull you know whatever and she's this dude dies and you know he's like oh i just want to go back and because i think he got in a fight with his girlfriend whatever he ends up stealing her her uh, sith and so somehow because of that he's able to return to the living but i think he was still i think he's his girl ex-girlfriend whatever still couldn't hear him but then um jessica she goes like to retrieve it and then people are bump into her and stuff like that. And she's like, wait, people aren't supposed to be able to see me. And now she's stuck there. And it's like, but it's like, what would you do if, if you know, cause the dude asked her how she died and she's like, oh, I don't want to talk about it or something like that. 
So she's obviously she's dead, but if she's back, could this be like a second chance at life or is she so invested in her job? I mean, so it's, it's definitely an interesting story that I, I would recommend checking it out. Then at DC Comics, there was Young Justice Targets, number one. It's a digital first exclusive. It has to deal with the, the animated series, Young Justice, not like the comic Young Justice. So that's cool and everything. But I don't know what it is. When Young Justice just came back recently, I watched the first episode. And I mean, I think this is the first time I didn't talk about it on the show. Because I think I talked about the other ones. But the whole, you know, Superboy and, and Miss Martian going to Mars to meet her family and stuff like that. There, something about the episode was just, just didn't click with me even though i love that show so much but i just haven't watched it and then there is a fact that they dropped like two episodes at once and then a third one like two days later or it's so it's too much for me to keep up with so i haven't watched it and so then with this comic is i i was like oh what is this i, I start reading it and i was like oh i mean right away it's, it's pretty obvious so i was like i probably shouldn't be reading this because i don't know how current you know when this takes place so there could be stuff that like i don't i'm not up to date with or you know, caught up with so i didn't read it but you have that if, if, if you've been wanting more wonder woman 788 i tried reading this because you know i haven't been reading the last couple issues and um the, the the thing that was a little annoying, which is maybe because it hits too close to reality, but there's there's like a bunch of people that are protesting Wonder Woman. You know, she did something to get some white dudes angry, and I'm pretty sure this dude is is Doctor Psycho. I, I forget his real name, but he's he's like the in charges like this protein milk company or something like that. And so there's this little protest outside the Justice League and and uh, Doctor Psycho. If it is Doctor Psycho, he has there's this uh, porcelain, this like this fake Wonder Woman, and this milk truck comes like oh no, it was hijacked, or, but there's a bomb on there, and oh Wonder Woman's trying to blow us up, and so it's just a lot of this like fake news whatever crap that again we have too much. I'm seeing this in the news. How just some people are just so anti this or that, and it's like. Because that's how it's spun, spun. That's that's what I mean. That's how it's spun. Where some people and and it's it's. I, I get it if you trust a news source or this, and you see something, you don't realize it's, that someone is trying to manipulate you, and you just you just real. It's not. I don't want to say you're being brainwashed, but you think like I you know I trust this source. I trust these people. Why would they lie? But what? So we see a lot of that, and it's just like, oh my goodness! And <laughs> I just protesting a, a superhero who has saved the world countless times. And all right, that's how how things go. The Jurassic League issue two came out. I didn't even touch this comic. I didn't even. I'm like, I don't even want to look inside. And um, my my local comic store, I, I saw they had it as like a pick of a week or something like that. And it's just, it's not for me. I mean, some people might think it's funny or entertaining or just, just neat. I don't know. Maybe it's good for kids or I don't know who it's for. It is not for me. I do not need to see dinosaur versions of the justice league. I don't want to see dinosaur versions of the justice league. (laughs) But again, if, 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 if you're into it, awesome. That, that, that's all. That's great. It's just, it's not for me. (laughs) Then there's Superman, son of Kal-El issue 12. So we have more on the, the current situation and, you know, uh, 
Jonathan's trying to do the right thing. And, you know, we have this Bendix dude who's just like evil and trying to manipulate things, more manipulation. And, you know, trying to say that, that you know, super, super, Superman, because basically he's Superman now. So John, he's, you know, caused the death of someone, but he's really controlling all these people and has like bombs in them or whatever and, and everything. But then, uh, Something happens with uh, Jay. His name is Jay, right? Jonathan's new boyfriend. Because, you know, he's... It, it's funny that his this dude, he works for this, like, news organization called The Truth. Yet, he, he wears a mask. He wears, like, a hood and, and this weird mask, whatever. And I get it to protect his identity and all that. But it's like, well, isn't that the whole complaint that people said about, Oh, Superman, you're lying to us because you had a secret identity and you tell us whatever. But it's to protect you. And, and, you know, so if people knew who Jay was, they would probably target him for stirring things up or whatever. And so something's, but something's going to happen to put his life at risk, which, you know, that, that's all they need. You know, it's, it's ready. They targeted the Kent farm and which that is why Superman never should have revealed his identity. It's, it's so, and I'm going to say it, stupid. Don't don't reveal your identity, but then again, you have other heroes that it's like not a big deal. So it's just, it it's like it's almost like a double standard where it's like some villains like oh you're that's who you really are. All right, because for the longest time, uh, Barry Allen, you know, he told the world who he was, and no one cared. No one went after him. I don't know. Then there's I am Batman issue ten. Uh, you know, I'm 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 enjoying this series. It's a, it's a little weird because you know this isn't Batman. You know, this is Jace Fox and he, while he's skilled and everything, you know, he's not at the Batman fighting level. We have this serial killer who's been targeting like high officials with like dirty, deep, shady past or whatever. And I think, who did he take out already? Like, it was like the mayor or something like that. And then there's, I feel like there's a couple of people and, and they're like brutally myrtleized, myr- myr- myrtle, what? what did I say? Brutally murdered <laughs> and the kind of like put like on display. There's supposed to be like this artistic way to present, you know, just let me all splailed out. Splailed. Is that a word? <laughs> Jeez. This is an interesting show, huh? And, uh, it's just, it's just like just brutal, you know, all this stuff like that. And I think he, cause my memory, my brain is not working. He's targeting like the police commissioner, but police, the police commissioner's like, I haven't done anything. He's like running for office. Like my past has been an open book. It's been, you know, there's not, but there's clearly something going on. And as Batman is, it's like, he's having trouble fighting this dude. It's like this guy in his weird mask. He has like spikes and stuff. He has like a spiked iron on a chain. And that's like his main weapon. But there's one point where he targets, he goes after the, the police commissioner. I'm pretty sure it's a police commissioner, like at the city hall or something like that. And, you know, he's got his whole, like, his bodyguards and stuff like that. They're like, oh, no, he's coming. And this, this dude takes out his, his a couple of his dudes. They get the, the police commissioner in the elevator. And somehow he ends up, like, downstairs. He, like, he knows, like, a quick exit to, to get down there. And But it's just... I feel like regular Batman would wipe the floor with this guy. No, no, no problem. But uh, I don't know. So 
We'll see. Because, I mean, for me, aside from all that, it's like, okay, what is this this dude really guilty? You know, why is he being such a target? When he, you know, he's he's so adamant that he's completely... I mean, and that's what... Sometimes that's what shady people do. You know, they will lie through their teeth and they'll, they'll deny things even when everything's, like, out there. Then there was a Future State Gotham, which I actually didn't check this out. I'm not even sure what, what this is... Um, about I you know I I really like this this series in in the beginning, but then I don't know, it just I, I I think this this new future state Joker just it was just too much for me. I mean because again too much Joker as it is, and then it just seeming like un, unstoppable. It's like how can this like what is is the deal with with this? So, um, oh, looking at the cover now, Bruce Wayne returns. So now I'm actually curious about this. This is the other problem without with DC not being in previews, because usually with previews, I can check out like, oh, what is this issue about? That's to- completely what I do when, I, when I'm going through these comics, you know, what I'm talking about. When I look at the image comics, what books do I need to read? What number ones are coming out? But with with uh, DC, you know, they, they don't list through there anymore. So now I'm, I'm actually curious to read this, but... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I haven't been loving the series, but I'm, I, uh, maybe I'll, I'll check that out later. There was a DC Pride Tim Drake special number one. So I'm like, hmm, what's, what's this about? And it's actually just a reprint of the the Tim Drake story. I think it was in, was it in, in Batman Urban Legends? The, like I think it was like a three-part story. It's basically the story where Tim Drake finds out he's bi or he admits that he is or what he has had feelings for this childhood friend of his or something like that who gets kidnapped. And then he realizes that he's got strong feelings for him, even though it's never once been hinted unless I've completely missed it over all the years. So if, if you miss that story and you're curious to see like, Hey, what, what's the deal with Tim Drake? You can see how it's, it's unveiled and explained. And, you know, there was a new issue of Batman Ur- urban legends uh, issue 16 came out and I didn't read this because there, there's it's more continuation of the past stories that I haven't been reading. So maybe the next issue when you know some wrap up and new ones start, I'll, I'll you know check it out. And finally at DC there was Batgirls issue seven. So this is a new story arc which was was good because well, I enjoyed the first one, but it was like six six issue story arc, and and I get why they do it. You know, they can release it as a trade. It's all you know, fine and and fine and dandy, but it just it it felt like it dragged on a little because it's like you're you're fighting this this main dude. It's like the same guy, and so whatever. But this, I think, this is a, a two part uh, story. So it's um. I just there's something about these characters. I I just really like seeing Cassandra and Stephanie fighting side by side. It's a little weird that they're both calling themselves Batgirls. I like that, but it's also kind of weird. And I like that Barbara's here, and and you know we finally have mention of Dick Grayson because I thought Barbara's supposed to be moving in with him, or I don't know what's going on. But I I just like this book. You know, aside from the fact that it the continuity bothers me a little bit, that confuses me, but it's it's still it's it's a fun series. Then at Marvel, there was Ben Riley's Spider-Man issue five. This has been, you know, I, I love Ben Riley. I love that this is back when, you know, Ben was Spider-Man or anything like that. I do have to say that Spider-Side, I'm not, I'm not a, 
I'm not the biggest Spider Side fan. I don't really know a lot about Spider Side. I don't know if it's. I, I remember when these all these different clones and kind of mutated clones and stuff were coming, but I don't know if I just kind of like overlooked or just wasn't a lot of stories. So I'm, I'm not super familiar with him. One other thing, I mean, there's a couple things that bothered me about little little nitpicky stupid problems that I had. One was when a Spider Side like so Spider Side's a clone of Ben. And Ben is obviously a clone of Peter and all that. But when, there's a point where Spider-Side's mask's off and he has blonde hair just like Ben does. Did he dye his hair blonde be, or just because Ben dyed his hair blonde? Or is because he was cloned from when Ben had blonde dyed blonde hair? So I was like, why does he have blonde hair too? <laughs> that kind of bothered me. The other thing, so they're at the Ravencroft institute you know where all the villains are locked up and spider sides being a big jerk and like freeing everyone to cause more commotion and pandemonium or anything like that but a lot of the villains they they have their their costume like scorpion's coming on how how the heck does scorpion have his his costume on is it at some point where it's been fused to i mean that's a rhino who, who can't come out of his costume but it's like why is scorpion have able to use his costume you know, there's another point where like Craven is is coming running at him. I'm like, why the heck does Craven have his his lion jungle vest on? But then it, it wasn't Craven; it was really Chameleon. But just uh, I don't know, just little little things. I'm like, how are you getting all, all all their their gear and everything? It's just it seemed a little little too convenient. And and then the other thing, I it just bugs me how like everyone's like, during Ben, watch out!" And and because you know what's her name, she knows Ben's identity and. But it, it's great seeing Ben, and I'm I'm so bummed that he is currently dead, and we're never going to see Ben Riley again because we're not we're not seeing him anymore. I don't know what's going on with with him. Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty, issue one. This one, um, I I I like this better than the the one issue that came out with like both of them the the double you know with both of them like captain america with steve and, and sam so this is colin kelly and jackson lansing uh doing the writing and it's kind of you know so basically we have steve you know he wants to kind of step things back he wants to move into the old neighborhood and just you know be back amongst the people and and stuff like that so that's all kind of cool and and stuff like that we see him just doing little things like uh you know taking an uh, an art class at at the community center or, or the community college and and stuff like that but then of course there's like a super villain that's going to cause some trouble and we do see bucky here and um so there, there's you get a nice mix of of action and just character development as well so it, it i i like that and uh just it the the and the villain while the villain it could be like borderline annoying it wasn't like what we had in that other issue where who was the villain it was a uh, it's like he was in a big giant robot and I was just like oh my gosh this is just so ridiculous but I I I like that we have this kind of like a mystery going on here so I I, I did like that uh, Fantastic Four issue forty four unfortunately I didn't. I didn't super like this. Um, I don't know what's going on in this reckoning war anymore. Just, you know, all the stuff with the watchers. It's very interesting to seeing all this explored, like the, the watchers world and like what they're doing and how they're so uh, opposed to Uatu and, and his crimes for like interfering and stuff like that. 
But what was interesting is in recent issues, they're kind of kind of like almost torturing him. You know, he's like strapped to this chair and like forced to watch, like see how the world would have played out if, you know, when Galactus came, if, if he didn't come in and warn them and it looked like everything was fine, everything was working. But then it turns out, it's like, oh no, wait, uh, did you not watch this whole thing is because things are, are really, really bad. So it's like, they didn't see the ending, whatever, which seemed kind of hypocritical. And uh, so somebody, but then there's also the fact that, this reckoning war stuff is, is starting because the watchers unleash some weaponry like way back way back and, and it's being still being used and and i don't know what's going on and then it's also weird seeing she hulk and jack of hearts here because i don't know if this is taking place before for or after jack of hearts appearing in the she hulk series yeah but whatever so just just enjoying that um hulkling and wiccan issue one I wasn't sure if this was a reprint or a new issue because I, I, I was like looking through the preview and I couldn't remember if there was like, because this is 43 pages. I feel like it's just a, a reprint. I mean, I could be wrong, you know, because it's Pride Month. So let's sell all this Pride stuff, which again, it's great that we ha- I'm so glad that we have the representation, and everything like that. But some of it's a little misleading where it's not really clear because with the, the Tim Drake one well because there's no previews to read off i was i was like oh is this a new story and i started reading it and i was like oh this is that one story that i've already read so i don't know iron fist issue four i'm just i'm i don't don't know what my problem is with this i'm just i can't really get into the character and i i i like danny rand and it's not because i don't like him just because he's white I like him because that's a character that I've read for years, and that's who I know is Iron Fist. So this new Iron Fist, I'm, I don't really know what his deal is and the whole thing about the broken sword or whatever and his family stuff. And and I feel like, because I, I think he's an existing character from something else, which I don't know his backstory, so it's hard for me to like jump in with, with that. So I don't know. And then there's Iron Man issue 20. So Iron Man went to through rehab because he... He kind of got hooked on some, was it like morphine or something like that? And, you know, he's like once an addict, always an addict or whatever. And then he got those like God powers and just went completely over the top. And it's like killing his friends and, and just changing everything. And when he, he made everyone as smart as he was and Reed's like, I think I got dumber. And he didn't say those exact words, but <laughs> that, that was pretty funny. But And then it's like he wants to marry patsy walker now it's like what where'd this come from then there was a uh, moon knight black white and blood issue two so you know how i feel about these books i'm i'm a little like mm, you know i don't know but this one w- was good the the first story is by benjamin percy and vanessa r del rey so we got some some cool art and everything my problem with the story is moon knight like wants to be cured of his like multiple personalities and he, he actually goes to Dr. Strange. He's like, well, you realize that this could like, you know, make it so you're not Moon Knight anymore, whatever. And then it would mean they're having to be like a new avatar. I mean, it's just it's like, wait, what? I wasn't really sure about that. A Hard Day's Night is by David Pepose and Leonardo Romero uh, and, and Chris Sotomayor. So that that was uh, 
that was a, a good good one. And then there's Blood Red Glider by Pat Zerker. So those those were, were good. I, I like the, the the second and third story. The first one was 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 fine. I mean the art was you know just uh, I, I I remember reading something from Vanessa R. Del Rey. I think it might have been at Boom or something like that. But I, I like that kind of grittiness to whatever. So. I'm coming around with this because I mean I, I love Moon Knight and yeah I shouldn't be complaining about getting more Moon Knight but it's just a fact when we start getting these like random stories it's just like shut up Tony and just enjoy the fact that you're getting a random story and like not getting no stories so it's it, the more the better right then there was Spider Gwen Gwenverse issue three I'm I'm having I'm I I shouldn't even bother trying to read I love Spider Gwen. I think she's such a, even though it's, it's, is it a gimmick character, whatever? I, I, I just really like the character. I, I, I don't know what it is. I think she can be a fun character. And, but now that there's these different versions of Gwen across the multiverse and, you know, there's, there's a Wolverine Gwen, there's a Captain America Gwen, there's a Thor Gwen. And it's just like, this doesn't make any sense. And I know when you, you're talking about an infinite number of worlds, you have infinite possibilities of whatever happening okay i get it so in some weird random infinite possibility there will be a version of gwen where she's like captain america it makes no sense but okay so then they're like working together and it's i i feel like it's too much that along with um the what if miles morales because all of these are kind of tied together loosely together so this one is like what if miles morales became thor that makes absolutely no sense. This is so friggin' ridiculous. And so now, so basically, Miles is, is Thor, and he's even got, like, blondish hair, you know, at the top of his, his afro, and his Uncle Loki is supposed to be Uncle Aaron, and it's just, like, there's, like, like graffiti, or, like, it's, he, he tagged, someone tagged Mjolnir, because there's, like, spray paint and stuff on there. It's like, what is going on? And and all of this, oh, it just I I should like read the the, the way it starts. Off. It's almost like, is this supposed to be like a rap or something? Uh, Midgard, long ago, old Yggdrasil spread. That's the the tree of life, whatever. Then the world tree grew in Brooklyn instead. Immerse as we traverse the universe. From the vast multiverse comes his dope verse. The stars shine upon the. Str- the realm of the gods forge mighty battles with his four, his squad. Where's the lightning go after wars are won? What victories lie for the son of sons? And he's even got like a lightning bolt like shaved in the side of his head, and he's you know, he's tying his kicks. It, and he even has like a little Mjolnir on on the, on the side of his shoes. Oh, God. it's it's almost like it's almost making me angry. I'm like, what, what is going on here? Why are we doing this? And, and it's bad enough because like the regular Miles series, I'm not like super thrilled with it. And we got this, I, and because then at the end, it, each issue is like there's the other Miles. Like, hey, we're we're teaming up, so we're gonna have like this team up of Miles at the end with Wolverine issue 22. So we have more of, I mean, it's Benjamin Percy writing and Adam Kubert's art, which I just love, is so amazing. But we have more Deadpool here, so it's. It's like the borderline funny, annoying, because, you know, Deadpool is supposed to be annoying. But sometimes it's not quite so funny when it's just like it's, he keeps being annoying. And then, you know, Maverick. So Wolverine had this suitcase, you know, him and I think him and Deadpool were briefed or chained to it or something like that. But then Maverick stole it. And it's 
it's like it's like a little baby danger. So if you remember danger, the danger, the sentient danger room, which I hated that whole concept. So we saw danger in the last issue at the end. So there's something with this little baby danger. And then they, they, at one point they go to the Xavier school for gifted. I don't understand why the school is just run down. Why they just left it. I mean, that was like, I, I get they're all in Krakoa now, but it's, it's like such a waste of property. And I don't know. It's just, it just seems weird. And it's just the fact that Maverick and Weasel are working together. You know, they betrayed Deadpool, which, you know, whatever, because Deadpool has been a major jerk to Weasel. So, it, it you know, he had it coming, but all right. And then there's X-Men Red issue three. I haven't been super crazy about this. I don't really care about the the Mars stuff or whatever they're, they're calling Mars, Arako. And then the Abigail brand, it, it just... You know, I thought she was a cool character in the beginning, but the fact it's like she's evil. It's like what is she plotting? I still don't understand what her her motives are, like what what she's trying to do. But you know, she's doing all the shady stuff. She did kill Henry Guyrich, which I, I couldn't stand him. But uh, so we're we're seeing this like power play on Araco, and uh, you know, so we have what's his name, the Proudstar? Not John? Is it not John Proudstar? So the the main proud star, the first proud star who died, you know, he's back. He's being annoying and a jerk, but then you know, there's something with you know, he's having this has this beef with Cable. What what's interesting is, oh, we also have Vulcan, who's like super annoying. He's just uh, I, I I do not like this character, but he makes this challenge on Araco because you know they have these arenas where you fight to the death and everything like that. And Magneto also makes a decision as well. And Magneto's like like pretty I, I love what Magneto does. I mean, I the the final pages, I'm like, whoa, that that for me like really made this issue in the series so far. I'm like, okay, because Magneto's kind of been laying low lately. He hasn't really done much, but just just seeing here like what he could do, it's just like wow. That's just like it's like that. <laughs> and just like that, that's gonna be comics for the week. With The Flash, Season 8, Episode 18, The Man in the Yellow Tie. So it starts off with Dr. Mina Dewan, the new speedster. She's narrating. And she talks about the negative particles that let an atom grow or something like that. And she you know, says, for the next three minutes and 52 seconds, I'm the fastest woman alive. So she's excited. She's doing, you know, I don't know what woods they're running through. You know, She's doing some training and stuff. She just hit 300 meters per second. Barry's like, yeah, that's your best time yet. Now see if you can keep up. So he zips past her. They're running, again, through these woods and everything like that. She tries catching him going faster. She ends up zapping him with, like, a lightning bolt, and it, it knocks him down. So then his hand's still kind of, like, sizzling or whatever like that. And he's like, I've never seen artificial lightning react with natural lightning like this before. So he wants to go over her biometrics or something like that to make sure everything checks out. And she looks at her wrist, and she's like, okay, but I got to head back to the lab because her speed is running out. So I think she only has, like, like four or five minutes of speed time or something like that. So Barry's like, okay, tomorrow at 10 or something like that. So then we see Cecile. She is at the bank to make a deposit because she has a client who insists on paying in cash. She's like digging through her purse. She's like, oh, I have it in here somewhere. It's like that. And the, the teller's probably like, come on, lady. And then um, as soon as she finds it, dudes bust in with like these big tech rifles yelling, everyone get down. It's like, is it really so easy to, to, to get all this questionable high tech stuff to commit crimes even though you have the flash and other heroes in the city 
but Cecile, you know, she's like she tries reaching for her phone so she can hit probably hit the the flash app emergency emergency thing. But then the guy is like, "Hey, teacup," he's like, "You need to get down," or something like that. She calls her teacup because she's she's short. And then her eyes go like kind of rainbow prismatic colors and like that. And then she can like kind of see the emotion energy shimmering around them. So they're all red. And then the others on the ground are either like yellow or blue or something like that. And she kind of like waves her hand or it flicks her hand. And then the, the yellow from the one guy kind of hits the other guy. He starts like moaning and crumples. And then she like flicks her hand, whatever. And there's, there's this other lady, and uh, the blue from someone like cringing on the floor like envelops her. And she's like, "What am I even doing here?" She's like, "I could have been an engineer." And then the third guy, he's like, "I just want to go home." He's like, "No voodoo, no voodoo." And she like flicks her hand, and he gets hit by yellow, whatever. And then he's like freaking out. And then the CCPD come in, and they're like, "But everyone's already taken care of." And she's just looking like, "Oh wow." So then, of course, Cecile is getting scanned by Chester because Caitlin's not there to, you know, why have an actual doctor check her out? So now we have the tech guy checking her. And, um, but the good thing is the, the scanner thing is tied to Gideon. So now they can use Gideon as the generic overall, you know, expert on everything. He's like, Oh, according to Gideon, your empath capacity is up by a thousand percent. It's like, how the heck would you even d- detect that? How is that possible? So, okay, we have this this Gideon is like this future tech, so we can just make it do whatever we want for convenience sake. Oh, your your powers increased? Yeah, we can detect that. It's it's easy, just a thousand percent. Not nine hundred and ninety-seven percent, one thousand percent exactly. So Barry and Allegra are there too, and so it's like her brain just got supercharged. But no one says no one says that she leveled up. She's just, her brain is supercharged. So she says that usually when she senses a wave of fear or panic, it hits her like a train. Allegra is like, it's, it's, it's badass, but everyone's, you know, she's like, how did this happen? You know, how, how's her power increase? And she says her, her powers changed before, like when Jenna was born, she's like, oh, maybe it's just natural. And so it's like, she doesn't even want to worry about any like weird, like possible side effects or what might happen later. Cause like, what if it's just like uncontrollable? Like what if she can't, it gets so intense, she can't control. She's like, ah, oh, whatever. And, uh, and then Barry's like, oh, you know, we'll have to do some more tests. And she's like being nosy. Oh, I feel a big wave of concern washing over you. That has nothing to do with this. She's like, "Is everything okay?" And then he's like, "Oh, it's it's new speedster." He's like, "I got struck by our artificial lightning. You know, it was accidental, but you know, it's a set of biochemical reaction or something like that." Chester suggests, "Like, oh, maybe we should go to Fast Track Labs and and see her power generator." He just wants to go over there and check out someone else's lab. But Barry goes, he makes an appointment. He's sitting over there by himself. And then uh, he tells Mina that he's, because she's like, uh, can I help you? Because she, she has no idea who he is. He's like, oh, I'm, beha- I'm here on behalf of a, a mutual friend who likes to run fast. And she's like, oh. And he's like, yeah, our friend was hoping he could, uh, that I could take a look at, at your special project to get a second set of eyes on there. And she's like, oh, yeah, I understand. She's like, you're right. You know, that, that's you know, a good idea. So Barry looks at it, he's he's impressed. Is that an oscillation chamber? And she's like, oh, it's a biometric lightning oscillation chamber. We call it Block, B-L-O-C, or something like that. So it's built with quantum computing to remotely harness art or lightning from the Earth's upper atmosphere and turn into artificial speed. It's like, okay. This is like, again, making up science, I'm assuming. 
he's like, oh, it's decades ahead of like what other labs have. And she's like, well, I can't take all the credit. And she's like, I, I handle the physics, but my colleague deals with the nuts and bolts. And there he is. He starts walking in. So he introduced himself. It's Eobod Thon. Nice to meet you, Barry Allen. And he's like, I'm the, I'm the chief of engineering here. He's like, I'm, you know, she's like, he's the only employee who knows the, the truth about the project while I'm still perfecting it. So she sees, she's like, oh, Barry here is a friend of the Flash. She's like, really? The Flash? And Barry's like, yeah, you know the Flash, don't you? So this is like, this is the other Eobathon, not the one, not the Tom Cavanaugh version, like the original one, who we recently saw in Legends Tomorrow also. So Barry's like, look at him. He's just like, yeah, you know the Flash because he's like totally on edge, but doesn't want to tip his card in front of Mina. She's like, do you two know each other? And he's like, uh, he's like, I don't think so. He's like, no, but my memory's a little hazy. So Mina's like, yeah, he's suffering from a form of retrograde amnesia. So then Mina's phone. She's like, oh, I gotta take this call. So she goes in, in like the little office off off the main room. Barry looks at him. He's like. I suppose I'm supposed to believe that you don't remember who you are or where you're from or what the hell are you doing here? Why'd you build this thing? He's like, uh, Mina asked me to. He's like, and I assure you the block is perfectly safe. Barry's like, but you aren't. He's like, what the hell do you want with me? And he's like, I'm sorry. I don't know why you're so upset with somebody you just met. Barry's like, stop. He's like, I've known you all my life. You're the reverse flash. And Thon says, he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about or why you think I'm a murderous speedster because you are. He's like, no, I'm not. Now, if you don't mind, I have work to do. I said, good day. <laughs> he leaves. So Barry, he starts walking out. He asks Chester. He's like, has Argus posted any security alerts? He like looks. He's like, nope. He's like, everything okay, boss? He's like, no, I just saw Thon. And he, he's using his original face to one before he killed Harrison Wells. So then it cuts back to a year ago. Mina's looking over his, his resume. And she's like, I can't hire you. It's like, your resume's a joke. And he's like, well, nobody's perfect. So I, I froze the screen or paused the screen. It says he worked at Hewitt Mare Labs. Uh, this is the most recent thing from December 2020 to June 2021. And then he was a technology development consultant before that. Or no, that's what he did there. And then the other thing under was Mia Witter Industries from June 2020 to December 2020. And he report generation and project coordinator. So she says, like, oh, you're really something. And it's like, after the other interviews, 11 interviews I had today, I'm starting to think this is all a huge waste of time. She takes some pills. It's a Metro prolol so i was like what the heck is that so i googled that it's a beta blocker that affects heart and circulation so and he like sees her take it whatever and i don't know if he recognized it or if he, if he even could read what it was or it's just for our sake he gets up and he goes to he's like looking at this board he's like oh he starts writing some calculations whatever and he like solves this for me she's like i've been working on that for months he's like he he can tell she's like she's you're trying to create a speedster he's like i can help it's like hmm so, and then at the present, at the Argus uh, Supermax or whatever prison, Reverse Flash is reading the Count of Monte Cristo. Barry shows up. How are you still here? And how'd you get your speed back? And he's like, what? He's like, I saw you five minutes ago wearing your original face, pretending not to know me. Answer me. He's like, I don't know and I don't care. He's like, don't you get it? You took my speed. There's no other version of me out there. So just leave me alone. Barry's like, 
you you were nearly erased during Armageddon. It erased your past, didn't it? Which means that he must be from another timeline. Like when I created Flashpoint, there was another Thon. Barry grabs his book and he the the Monte Crystal. He sketches a picture of the the oscillation chamber thing. He's like, the other Thon built this. Does this mean anything to you? And our Thon, he's like, he's he didn't build that. That's mine. He's like. I built it two centuries from now. He's like, I built it when I was young, trying to be a speedster, just like you. It didn't work. So it used a negative speed force. And Barry says that if he keeps using a thing, the negative speed force will corrupt uh, Mina's mind or whatever. Thons says that the, the thing about um, Thons, it doesn't matter where they come from or what they remember. They will always look out for themselves. So this new guy will sacrifice every pawn on the board to get what he wants. Barry's like, not if I stop him. So Barry zips off. And then John's sitting there. He's like, oh, just when I thought my day couldn't get any more interesting. Oh, John, you can come out now. And John Diggle walks around the corner. So Diggle's like, oh, it's been a long time. So Thon asks him what he wants. He says, you know, it's it's the last two years he's been all over the world. And he can't get this this thing, this cube thing open. So it's a, the black box that he got at the end of Arrow, which I think is supposed to have the green lantern ring. Did we actually see it or was it just a green light? So he believes that Thon will, is able to open it. So the cube fell out of the sky. He's been spending you know time away from Lyle and the kids. And when he's away from the cube, he can hear it calling. So he has to know what it is. He needs to know what the voices want from him. Thon says that he's familiar. I forget what they call the box, like some transmuting, transporting, some, whatever, something like that. He's familiar with stuff like that. He can help, but he's like, when you get that box open again, I get to see what's inside. So then uh, the other Thon tells Mina that she has the device set at 52 million joules. He's like, that's more speed than you've ever infused before. Flash runs in. He's like, Mina, stop. Thon's like awestruck. He's like, oh, he's, he's surprised to see Flash there. She says that she wants to prevent what happened today. And he's like, no. He's like, the reason is your powers are connected to the negative speed force. It's fueled by rage and hate. Thon's like, the block is fueled by lightning from the upper atmosphere. So they, we've run a number of, you know, the, we've run the numbers a thousand times. And Flash is like, then your math's wrong or you're a damn liar. He, so he, he talks about him being a murderous psychopath. He says, he's like, I haven't done anything to you. And Flash is like, I'm taking you to Iron Heights, which is letting you off easy. Minas is like, she's in the machine. She's like, leave him alone. And she reaches like the two hand grip things, whatever. And then Thon's like, her brain waves are altering. It's too much power. So Flash runs and reaches, but then he gets sent flying back. He knocks into Thon. He's knocked out. Mina stumbles out. Her eyes are glowing red. Speed. Need. More. Speed. She zooms off. So Mina's like out in the streets. Some random dude is driving and she zips in front of the car. He skids, hits another car, and he's like, he's out. Time to get faster. So that's like, I think that's her new catchphrase. Time to get faster. Lightning comes from like the power lines and she's somehow absorbing electricity and that's going to make her faster. The real Thon at the, at the prison, he says that the cubes appear to people at a crossroads. It's like, how the heck does he know all this? So Diggle says that, you know, he had just buried Oliver and they were taking the kids to Metropolis and Thon's like, it was a turning point, but it closed because you weren't ready for that power. Question is, are you ready now? Because, you know, he's always whispering. He's like, he says he is. And Thon's like, put yourself in that headspace again. Close your eyes. And then it starts glowing and it opens. There's this green light. And then he, he's like, no one can know my secret 
or you hear this voice and Diggle's like, no, I don't want any of this. He's like, you hear? He's like, the answer is no. He like throws the, the box because he, he closed it and he throws it and then it just kind of kind of disappears. And Thawne's like, no, you know what you have done? He's like, he says that he does. He saw like a thousand lives where he, he could have, like the, the thousand lives that he could have led, but he's like, not one of them led him back to his family. And Thawne's like, I was meant to see inside that cube. He's like, I could have gotten out of this hellhole. And Diggle's like, well, then it's a good thing it didn't choose you. So Thawne says, uh, you know, Diggle's not important. You know, this was his last chance to be someone. Diggle's like, I am someone special. He's like, I realize that now. The cube was trying to make me someone else, something else. Tried tricking me into thinking that I wanted it too. There's no power stronger than a power of love for my family. But I suppose a man like you wouldn't understand. So Diggle leaves. He calls Lila and he's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. We have a lot to talk about. I'm coming home. So Diggle becoming a Green Lantern, whatever, off the table. Not going to happen. But he's apparently going to start this Justice You or whatever thing at some point. Fast Track Labs, Flash wakes up. Thon's still knocked out. He's like smoking and sizzling. His He tries his radios. Radios doesn't, his comm doesn't work. Thon's like, where's Mina? And Flash's like, she's gone. This must be what you wanted for the negative speed force to corrupt her. And he's like, why would I want that? I didn't even know the, neg- the negative speed force existed before today. And Flash says that she protected him from, from him. It's like, why would she do that? Because she loves me, you idiot. And I love her. He's like, more than anything, when I lost my memories, I had a singular focus in my mind. Somehow I was going to be a speedster. Then I met Mina. Everything changed. You know, it's like I wanted to be bigger than a superhero. I wanted to end hunger, stop tornadoes before they could destroy them. I wanted to save the world. You know, we see like a flashback of all this stuff like that. But the machine would only work for one person, and Mina had a heart condition. So one night she went into cardiac arrest. There was only one way to save her. So he put her in the machine, and she's like, in the, in the flashback, she's like, You gave up your dream to save the world? And he's like, You are my world. So he tells Flash, even if he, he was this monster or was in another life, he's like, don't hold my sins against her. He's like, I'm begging you, save her. And Flash is like, the Thon I knew all my life hurt and tortured people he that I cared for. He could never put the needs of another before him. I'm sorry, you're not the man I thought you were. He puts his hand out. <laughs> so just like that, Barry's like, okay, let's shake hands. Then uh, his hand, he kind of says a little bit. So his speed's back. And somehow, I don't know what the connection is, his radio starts working. Trish is like, like, boss, boss, are you there? So he's like, where's Mina? She's attacking power grids all over the city. So it's making her absorb electricity to get its grips on her. So then she's going to run to some dam or whatever like that. And you see her, she's there. Time to get faster. She says it again. Uh, so it's like Zooey Mama <laughs> Diary of the Kid uh, she starts like zapping stuff like that and Flash shows, shows up he's like you don't he's like I don't want to hurt you but if this dam breaks thousands could die so they run he tries distracting her they like run 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 Flash jumps up he throws lightning down and because they're like running over the surface of the water so when he throws the lightning it expands over like the impact spreads over like a ring around the, the the surface of the water she kind of hits the edge of it and then she goes flying so barry runs up to her and asks if she's okay because you know she somehow gets knocked off the water lands back on, on the ground and he looks there's, there's like a lot of lightning and this bolt comes out hits barry he's out 
And then Thon says that she summoned energy from a negative speed force and it just canceled Flash's power. So she gets up. How pathetic. The avatar of the speed force dying on his back. She's like entered pure twirling mustache mode. And, you know, she's like giving this whole like whatever, you know, evil speech. Then the, the Star Labs van pulls up. Thon runs out and calls up to her. And he's like, please. He's like, you, you have to stop this. And he's like, she's like, the woman you know is gone. And he's like, I know the Mina I care about is still in there. He's like, come back to me. And she's like, you're wasting your time. This is who I am now. And killing the Flash is my purpose. Thon's like, it isn't. And he like he gets in a way where he's like that. He's like, she's like, I should kill you first. And he's like, then go ahead. I'd rather die than see Mina do something like this. He's like, I love you, Mina. And then memories kick in, turns off the negative. They hug. Flash is up now. Conveniently, he, he just woke up. Allegra's like, are you okay? He's like, I will be. And so will they. So Mina's like, you saved me. And he's like, no, you saved me. <laughs> oh, man. So then Mina says that her speed has worn off. Chester says that the negative effect on her brain has two. He says that he knows experiment didn't go according to plan, but... And he starts to almost like doing this dancing. This is a serious dope lab. <laughs> uh, so they say that this isn't what they wanted. They didn't think that they'd be tapping to the negative speed force. Flash is like, like, well, what if there's a way around it? So whenever he feels like he's in over his head, he thinks about the person he loves most. She helps guide me home like a lightning rod. I'm so tired of that. Iris is my lightning rod. It's like, how does that even work? He's like, just like tonight. So Eobard brought her back. So they have to like, like, oh, let's go look at the instruction manual. Start over. So they, they leave the room. Chester um, reached out to someone about the Flashpoint reverse flash. So there's a video message. He like swipes it up to some random monitor and in, in fast track lab. It's this video from Ray Palmer trying to be all quirky and everything, whatever. Because he's, he's still working at that science foundation thing that he he created in the name of, like, Chester's dad or whatever. So there's, like, some outbreak, something happening. And so he keeps, like, looking off camera, doing whatever. He's like, oh, yeah, I had a retirement meet, you know, reunion with Nate. And it turns out that they had an encounter with Reverse Flash earlier this year. You know, his powers were stripped. And he was re-educated and assigned to protect a fixed point. So this is what we saw in... in uh, Legends of Tomorrow. I think I talked about that episode, maybe. I don't remember. So he spent years protecting this timeline until he was killed. But Chester's like, well, if Thon from Flashpoint became a hero and then died, how could he be here? And Barry's like, well, maybe when he sacrificed, the, the time wraiths saved him again, because they're the ones that saved him, that made him this whatever thing, protector. So maybe it brought him here, and Flash, is, he says that however it happened, they're lucky it did. Allegra's like, well, we could always use another hero around here. And then we see this dude's chasing this lady to get her purse. His eyes start glowing. He has like some sort of seizure. He falls to the ground and the lady takes her purse and runs. So it turns out Cecile, she like walks up. Now that's more like it. And then there's like someone with long hair is like watching her from the shadows. So my first is like, wait, is that Frost? But it can't be Frost. I don't know who it was. And then uh, Mark calls Caitlin from her apartment. And she's like, because she's with, with her mom, he says that she should get back there. He's looking over all the data and it clicked for him. He's like, I know how to bring Frost back. And she's like, we can't, not now. And plus, Barry took the mirror gun back. He's, she's like, I'm sorry, it's over. And he's like, well, we don't need the gun. And he like shows her some plans and stuff like that. He's like, I just need you. 
So then the the final scene, we see uh, Thon at Argus. He's like thinking over everything. Then a voice like, we've been looking for you, Eobard. He's like, the man with no past, do you nominally? You were invisible to us until the light from the cube showed us where to find you. And he's like, oh, good for me. Now, who are you and what do you want? I guess you can say I'm an old friend and a new one all rolled up in one. As for why I'm here, then we see it's Dion. It's time to fulfill your destiny. So what the heck is Dion doing? It's like, you know, he was a friend and then he like turned on Barry, whatever, and who knows what's going on with Iris. You know, he basically, you know, they were supposed to save her and he, I have no idea what's going on. But we have two episodes left this season and then I don't know when the next season starts. So we'll see. And it, cause you know something is going to happen with Thon because they're not going to keep him locked up forever. He's somehow going to escape, somehow going to get his powers back so he can go after Barry some more. Because it's like only speedsters can can cause Barry problems. It's like the majority of his villains are speedsters. But that was this week's episode. Then with The Man Who Fell to Earth, Season 1, Episode 7, Cracked Actor. So it starts off Chicago, 1987. We see this kid come home alone. You know, he's got his key to his apartment. He enters. And uh, the mail says, V. Lupi Botko. Lupi. Lupi Botko. He turns on the TV, does some some cartoons, does some homework. He boils like a hot dog. And this is stuff like back in the day, you know, kids did all this stuff on, on their own. He's watching Woody Woodpecker. He's eating some chips. And then the door busts open and some police barge in. They yell, put up your hands and... They kind of like shove him down on, on the couch or whatever. And then the news interrupts uh, the cartoon. There's been a massive explosion at the Chicago mercantile market. At least 13 are dead and hundreds more injured. The kid's just like sitting there, you know, his, his head's against the couch. And he's staring at a picture of his mom holding, I, I assume it's him as a baby. Then the officer is like, like, where's your mother? Where's your mother? And then it cuts to, we see Drew talking to Clay over the phone. So he... He says that their physiology makes them more comfortable in certain gravitational pockets. They've narrowed it down to five places on Earth, and one is in the mountains in Cambodia. He's like, forget the other four, because they've tracked 200,000 tons of concrete over the past 20 years to this exact location. GPR is pinged a structure hidden in the mountain. I'm like, what the heck's GPR? So it's it's ground-penetrating radar. I don't know if we're supposed to know that. Uh, she says that the NSC is going to need more than his bet on low gravity and cement. So they have a history in that part of the world, so they can't just you know go whenever they want. Clay's like Thomas Newton's there, you know his guys are waiting in a in a copter. They're waiting for the nod to go and get him. And he's like, "Are you going to make me beg?" And she's like, "This is big. If you get caught, it's an international incident." So she says that he could never hear no, and then she's like, "No," and then she hangs up. And he, so he's sitting like at a desk. He's like carving like on a table, like like a figure, like a hangman or something like that. And then um, he does like long scrape there. And uh, Lisa's in in there. And I think there's someone else at this point. And then he pretends he's still talking to her. And then he like wraps things up. There's this this young dude. He's like at in front of a monitor. And he's like, okay. He's like, we're good to go. He's like, keep Newton alive. So Lisa sends an order to the the dudes in the in the copter. So she told him no. But he's still going to go after him. In Cambodia, the soldiers have reached the ground. They enter the first structure. It's like in poor condition. It's all empty. It's like they're, they're saying there's nothing there. Then there's this high-pitched noise that goes off. 
the soldier screams and Lisa Clay and the other dude, like they pull off their headsets. Lisa's like, it's feedback. She's like, something is transmitting from somewhere inside that building. So it could be a sat phone. It could be a radio signal. The, the soldiers note that there's crazy high levels of oxygen there. One soldier freaks a little when he sees like this weird plant on the cavern walls or whatever. The plant, the plant drops some like red spores or some like red something that kind of releases some dust. And the soldier like starts coughing and then the head like explodes. And this other one's like, they start shooting. And then there's this big explosion that's seen on the overhead radar and the individual soldiers or cams like, they start like going out, you know, one by one on the, the different monitors. So uh, that didn't go according to plan. Justin tells, uh, Molly that Portia her neighbor friend whatever is arriving today Molly's like doesn't answer and then Justin questions but she's like I need pictures uh, today for a family tree thing and Justin's like you need to tell me stuff like this earlier then Mo- Molly's yells you're burning it you're burning something. you know something like that so Josiah walks in and Molly asks if he can help her and he's like writing something Justin asks if it's, it's like is it math forever now and he's like no math memories She's like, are you forgetting things? He's like, no. He's like, I remember details that I couldn't remember before. He talks about her mother and him. You know, she carried like hibiscus or whatever. And when she clicked them, there was this red dust. So he remembers every detail, but the feelings are disappearing. So he takes off his wedding ring. He like sets it down. He's like, so that's like what he's writing. He's, he remembers that he was joyful and stuff like that. And while he's talking, Molly picks up the ring and then sits back at the table. So I don't know what the significance of that was, but then, uh, she like wipes some tears away and Faraday walks in and then he's like, why is the pupa crying? Justin says like, Oh, she forgot. She needed pictures for a family tree. It's like, ours are all packed away somewhere. He tells uh, Molly that she can draw her family. And she's like, can you help? And you know, Justin thought that she was talking to her, but then she's like, no him. So he, she says that they need a memory of them. And he's like, Tinkertown. So that's where they lived before, like all the stuff built around her. So uh, Molly's like, okay, close your eyes and take a picture of it with your mind and then draw. So, and before she does it, she holds up the the little prince by Antoine de Saint Exupery, whatever. She's like, that's you. He's like, yes, I see you or something like that. So he keeps drawing or something like that, just doing it, whatever. And Justin comes up, she's like, that's incredible. Molly's like, it's like, you can put yourself in there too. And they both like look at her. And she's like, if he showers here and he eats here, why doesn't he live here? Faraday's like, I live in the lab. And he's like, I like to shower here. And Josiah perks up. He's like, take me to the lab. And Justin Justin tries saying that he needs rest, but he insists. He's like, I can help. He's like, I have no purpose here. And then Molly kind of gasps because he's been kind of like helping take care of Molly, like walking her to school and everything. But he's saying he has no purpose there. So there's a press conference. Um, this dude, Mr. Thorne, so he's the big like oil evil dude. He couldn't make it today. So they're presenting the Pressman Thorne Hermitology and Oncology Wing on his behalf. Edie is there and Hatch walks up to her and she's like, she smells like, you, you drink in the morning now? He's like, yeah. So she wants him to find some coffee and sober up. He says, uh, Thorne is a death merchant who controls 42% of the world's fossil fuels. He has hit squads. He's like, this is the worst idea. So she wants to merge with this dude so they can fight the CIA. She's like, you already made that clear what you think so, but this is the only way to get the CIA out of her GD building. 
So she's like, be drunk tomorrow. So they meet with the dude who presented whatever. He's like, I don't do handshakes. So he's very like hoity-toity. Like, you know, he's like, you know, there's like so beneath him. So Hatch is like, where's Pressman? And then the, this dude, his, I think his name is Henning. He's like, Mr. Thorne is traveling. So he says that he, they received a proposal which strains credulity. He says that he hears proposals like like theirs every two months. There's always some new energy source. Hatch blurts out, it's quantum fusion. And the dude's like, right. Like So it's like a magic new energy that will put all of us out of business. And Edie's like, in this scenario, the magician will be us. He's like, you know, we need you or, or they need, he's like, you need us or something like that. Thomas Newton patents are classified. The CIA controls them. And he asks if her new energy source comes from one of Newton's patents. And now the CIA won't let them sell it. So that was very short-sighted of her. Their understanding was that her father coached her better than this hatch starts talking and uh you know says some stuff Edie says you know it's all coming to an end fossil fuels are running out and then every position will have that they have will be worthless hatch says that thorn must have said uh you know quantum fusion was possible or they wouldn't be there so their option one is to unleash new energy on a world in the middle of the night against the ca's wishes but they'd probably wake up black bagged in the morning Thorne would have bigger problems when oil and gas collapses. The Saudis and the Russians would complete for pipeline access and World War III would begin. Or option two, they partner and Thorne would get way more than 4.5%. They'd control global rollout to all their power networks. They'd convert all their plants to fusion. Um, they get their friends at the DOE to rubber stamp all the permits and they charge the construction to the customers from day one. And a dude asks, like, what's the buy-in? And Edie's like, 50-50. And they start integrating within two years. So the dude's like, you know, you'll never get past the fossil fuels consortium. Hatch says that that's where they, they'll work their magic because if the CIA gets in before them, nobody ever takes uh, Thorne's calls again and they'd put a housing project under old oil fields and put poor people in it, which is, you know, something would be so beneath them. Edie lays things out as well, whatever, you know, says all the stuff. And the dude just like walks away and Hatch like, did we win? And she's like, I don't know, but it was kind of fun. So Clay asks a kid at the monitors, how big was the blast radius? And he's not sure, but it, it took out the whole place. The high oxygen with the, with coupled with the hydrogen chloride, or whatever. And Clay asks, um, he's like, nothing on Newton. And the kid's like, the warehouse was empty. They can't confirm. Clay gets his, in his face. He's he asks, like, what's your name? He's like, Tim. He's like, Tim, can you confirm there was 200 tons of concrete there? Can you confirm that? So he's like, he's, Clay is like such a jerk. Tim says that all of the construction was stone and concrete. And Clay says, well, so it's all underground. And Lisa's like, says that, you know, he used a concrete to uh, dam the river nearby. There's three sections. It was all built in the last 10 years. None of it was sanctioned by the government. So the strike site was a decoy. The concrete is connected to three transformers. There's like hydropower. And Clay asks, he's like, what does he need with all that? So the power line goes underground. She says that he couldn't have built that all by himself. So it's like there's, you know, he could still be nearby, I guess. We see a close-up of a finger. Faraday says that adermatoglyphia, so it's the absence of ridges on the pads of the fingers, whatever in toes. So uh, Josiah's fingerprints have faded. Faraday asks him if he understands what's happening to him. Josiah says that he can hear his brain synapses forming exponentially. So he says that 
Faraday's anthian DNA is replicating faster than his human cells, so he's becoming optimized. Faraday says that Josiah's speech pattern is flattening as well. He's losing his accent, and he's lost some other things too. So he's becoming a new anthian. He's not sure where or how his evolution will stop. So Justin gives a board an update. Clay shows up and just sits down. And Justin says that they're on track for DOE testing by the end of the month. Clay asks Edie what she thinks of the DOE timeline. And she says given where they are, a meeting with the DOE would be premature. She says they're keeping it all as quietly as possible until they're legally unimpeachable. Then um, Edie's kid, Clive, he calls on a computer. He's like, this meeting wasn't scheduled. They're like, yeah, it was. And he's like, oh, I had a whole flipping presentation. So he's talking about some marketing stuff or whatever, and Justin's confused. So they say that they have lots of hurdles to go over. And she says to Clay, he's like, he was supposed to fast track some stuff because the machine is built. And she then she asks him a question about like like what's the pH level in the water or something like that, and he just he just looks at her like he can't answer it. But then his his phone buzzes. He gets a, a text from Finch saying to call him now. So he's like he gets up and leave. Clay points to Edie and says that she's the boss, and so he 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 leaves. So Edie tells Justin that they have to see how this lines up with everything else they have, and Clive's like, "What else do we have?" So she closes the laptop on Clive, and she's like, meeting adjourned. So she wants to talk to Wyant uh, alone. Justin wants to talk to Hatch, and she's like, what's going on, and why are you trying to you know, slow us down? She asks, she's like, did you know? And he's like, no, what? She's like, Clay's not a consultant. He's not a scientist. He's like, the, the government's been watching this us this whole time. It's like, who is he? DOE, CIA? So the question is, how much does he know about Faraday? So they, they ripped Newton's life apart. If they know what Faraday is, why haven't they done anything? It's like, why isn't he on a slab somewhere? Why aren't, aren't all of us on a slab somewhere? So he says that they need them to finish. She asks, well, are we ever going to get the machine out? And he says that she was right to trust him, but she has to let him handle this. So Drew's talking. She's like, I told you no. Are you deaf? You had no clearance. You sent six PMCs to flipping Cambodia. He's like, this could be seen as an act of war. And he's like, come on. It was all booby-trapped. She's like, I was right. And she says that you know, she's looking out for him like she always has. You know, She's known him since he was an orphan. And this is not the, the person that he's looking for. That person is gone forever. So he's like, get over it before it, it gets you killed. It's already about to ruin both of our lives. So she's like, the principal committee wants to meet you. It's like, they'll ask questions that you know, he'll let her answer and maybe they won't hang it on him. So she's like, get your butt to Washington now. So Justin talks to Faraday and she thought Newton's plan had all of this covered. If Clay's part of some government agency, that means nobody knows what happens next. So he says Newton must have prepared for this and she says the government's already here. So it could all be for nothing. He says it couldn't be. And then she goes to Josiah and says that they have to get Molly. And he just looks at her and, and he's like, I belong here. And Faraday's like, go. And then he he gets up. Faraday starts uh, turning on the TVs. Lisa asks Tim, she's like, where's Clay? So he says he's on en route to DC. Then their video feeds turn to static. So she's like, she says that the monitors are back up. So she knows that Faraday's blocking them out. Newton shows up on the screens. I told you explicitly never to contact me. It's like, you give a drone a cookie, they want the whole fudging candy stand. 
He's like, they found me because of you. I was a specter, a myth. You arrive and suddenly a pack of Spaniards are at my door, weapons blazing. Faraday is trying to talk. He's like, you look. He's like, I can look however I want. It's my assassination. Then in a calm voice, he's like, when will my machine be complete? And Faraday says that the government is watching Newton's. Well, he's like, of course they are, wouldn't you? You're from outer space. And then now it's like with the, the first episode, second episode, they're both like in the woods which I don't understand how, why they're there, whatever. So Faraday asks, why didn't he tell him? He's like, would it have made you go any faster? If you knew that they were watching, why did you risk contact? Faraday says the device is ready. It took you this long? He starts like yelling at Newton. He's like, they don't care if they go instinct. He says, you know, humans don't care. Speed was, was the advantage and he's been slowing them down by not giving them precise plans. So he goes on about, you know, the plans looking like Anthea that he never told him. Origins being controlled by the CAA. You know, he didn't say that. And a drone not being a drone. And Newton laughs. Newton says, you know, how could he tell him not to be a drone? He had been on Earth for only five minutes. And, you know, he wouldn't understand otherwise. And after years of being, you know, another way, how did he say to look at things? Faraday said that he said to look at it through their eyes. And he then he mentions like deception and lies. So Lisa's it's like, they're talking again. So she leaves the room. And she starts running to like the, the main lab part. Newton says that he has to learn to lie. He's like, big lies, little lies. He's like, the best lie is the lie they need. He, you know, he stayed hidden. It was a mistake. If he wants to outsmart the CIA, he has to get out there and make himself a legend. Because when you're a legend, you're unkillable. Then he says that he has to go. They have much work still to do. So end the transmission. She's like, they're almost there. Lisa's like running up the stairs to get there. Faraday says, an adapt would have figured this out much faster. So why did he send for a drone? Why did he send for him? Newton shrugs and he says that he knew that he would flourish. Faraday says, you believed in me? And he's like, yeah, but fudge off. And then he says, like, you should never have been a drone. It's like, they put you in the wrong category. He's like, he would have given them his obedience until he was dust. He's like, my special boy. Transmission ends. Lisa barges in as Faraday gets up from the chair. And she's like, security. I thought I heard yelling. And she pauses like, everything all right? And he, Faraday's like, yes, everything's fine. So Lisa didn't catch anything. Justin picked up Portia. She's talking about how hard it is, hard on Molly. Then like Faraday, he keeps like calling like over and over again. And she mentions all the, the government entanglements. The phone keeps vibrating. Portia says Molly will be fine. Remember when Molly drank a bottle of ranch dressing with a straw? So she's fine. She's a warrior. They arrive at the, the house. Faraday's like standing there like out in the steps. Portia tells Faraday to back off and let her breathe. And he says that Hatch is lying to them. She says that he's trying to protect them. And he's like, it doesn't matter. He's lying and feeling guilty about lying. So it might make him more inclined to put them in touch with his journalist friend from the Washington Post. He'll say it's too soon, but the time is now. If this is going to be a battle with the CIA, it should be in their arena. He says they like the dark. They like secrets. So they need to bring it to the light. He needs to be someone everyone wants to be or wants something from. If he can create that, if he is that, then they can't hold him. They can't kill him. They can't silence him. So Justin and Faraday meet with the journalist, Penny. He has like a nice, nice suit on. He starts, or she starts asking him about background questions, like, what's his education? He says, MIT, never graduated. She's like, how come? He says he was expelled. And she asks, 
if he's going to do the whole punk rock scientist thing. It's like people do this all the time. They tease with science and they create a persona they think people will like. So they hope that persona makes them relevant of or being like fundable. So they think wearing a black turtleneck is an identity. She says that she's like, I'm not your flipping Instagram. But he's not wearing a turtleneck, so I don't know what that was. He finally says that this conversation is making him think about truth. He's like, even truth seems to have iterations. So he goes on like charming her and stuff like that, saying that you know she's a truth seeker. He admires that. Then he puts his hand on Justin's knee, and which is kind of weird. And she just kind of like looks at him. Then he says to to the reporter, she doesn't. Um, have to show them anything they already know how capable she is it's why they're there justin's like a little confused reporter finally says okay i'm listening so she starts writing again faraday's like we have a clean fuel source and she asks justin if that's verifiable and she's like yes all of it she's like okay why am i here she starts to figure out that someone found out and they want to steal it back they think by telling her story it'll protect it um Faraday tells the reporter that, you know, she's a dinosaur, but that's a good thing. She says that Justin has a daughter who, who talked about dinosaurs were there for a long time and knew the terrain and how to survive. And an alien arrives and doesn't have any of that, but does have perspective. And she's like, and you are like in all this, he's like an alien. So later she shakes his hand and says that she'll be in touch. She says, or she tells Justin that she's going to need to see everything, you know, want all his facts that Justin comes up to Faraday and says, like, how? And he says that he read her. He's like, I told her the truth. Justin's like, yeah, you did, except it wasn't. Faraday says that they got what they wanted. Then she's like, why did you touch my knee like that? And he says, Penny Morgan is a competitive person. She's driven to excel, to expose. So Justin asks, can you read me? And he's like, yes, but I don't want to. So Edie got some information on Clay. And she asks why, and she's like, how expensive was this? He's like, don't ask. So she reads, uh, three years ago, he handled uh, president's policy on immigration and family separation. So basically, Clay put kids in cages. A kid died, and Wyant's like, yeah, on U.S. soil. So Clay was hung out to dry. Edie says that she needs to bury this guy. And she's like, you know, what's not a matter of public record? And he says uh, his social security number. It was generated in 1987, but Spencer Clay would have been 12 years old. So she doesn't understand. And Wyant says that the number sequence of a witness protection program reserves for new covers. It was like this, the same as his social security. So she's like, who the fudge is this guy? So the director of the CIA says that he thinks that he could speak for everyone when he says that he never wanted to see Spencer Clay again. So he's like sitting here with all the in this big conference room. For the record, he asked Drew what happened. And she's like, Agent Clay directly reporting to me uncovered the location of the extraterrestrial. And um, the dude's like, Yeah, we know about Newton. It's like, What about Cambodia? So she says that they took an opportunity. Clay starts speaking about Drew wanting daily reports, including live feeds from Origin, as well as like the mission in Cambodia. So the director starts saying when Agent Drew signed off on this and she interrupts and says, may I? She's, you know, she wants to see this report. So she's handed the report marked classified. It has her signature in it. And Clay says that he thinks she based it on, she interrupts and she's like, I didn't base it on anything. She's like, I didn't sign this. I never saw this. So she asks Spencer, she's like, what is this? 
and he looks at her and says, Agent Finch has been very good to him, as they all know. He knows that he's always been on probation with the director, but it's given him a muscle to push back when given a direct order, even when he knows that order is wrong. So, And he whispers, like, sorry. So she gets up and says to the others that they need a sidebar immediately. Clay says, Agent Finch was in possession of a video recording made by former CIA officer Gregory Papel, or Papel? I was reading what it was, which shows Thomas Newton, the alien, in a CIA interrogation. And his fear is that she hasn't made the recording available to them. So they stare at each other, and he says that she became obsessed with it. He assumed that factored into her decision to greenlight the mission. They ask, where's this video now? And Clay says, it never needs to see the light of day. So he can offer that security. Drew gets up and whispers to Clay. She's like, I found you pissing yourself, you little orphan fudge. And she walks out. So the director asks Clay, what does he want? And he says he wants to clean it up. The energy source is an asset and Newton is on no one's side. So he just wants authority to clean it up. So basically, I think he like screwed Drew over like big time. So Lisa comes up to Justin and says she knows that she met with Penny Morgan last night. And Justin asks, like, she's like, aren't you usually at- attached to clay like those weird parasitic fish? And Justin's like, no. So, uh, then she's like, where did he go? Your friend. Lisa says that she wants to show her something. So Lisa takes her to her their command center, like where they're watching them. She says they know what Faraday is, and you can see the camera feed on the monitor. She says that he's not their priority, and then Justin's like, Newton is. Lisa says they've recorded this a few days ago. So she sent in an extraction team for Newton, shows her the video, says they tracked Newton to Cambodia, but it was a decoy site. He's fudging with them. It was looped a loop signal coming from a bunker there's a repeated message and it's transmitting into space newton is talking to his people justin's like why are you telling me this and she's like because it's a lit fuse and it's connected to faraday and her machine justin says clay's holding it hostage right yes and he's never gonna uh let it go not ever if she can help her find newton she'll do everything she can to protect it and her Justin starts to leave. Lisa says Faraday spoke to Newton two days ago, and she realizes that he had told her. So she refers to him as a mass murderer sending messages because I guess he killed a soldier, so he's a mass murderer. Justin asks, well, what's the message saying? Kill them all? Bring the cavalry? Let's turn on the machine and, and wipe these fudges off the planet? She's like, I don't know, but I have to, and the only way I will is you. It's clear how he feels about you. Justin's like, stop. Lisa mentions Mary Lou Prescott. Newton loved her and she messed his head all up. She doesn't know if it's love or our human BS that eats away at them. But Newton was sane before he met Mary Lou Prescott. So she points to that video and that's what they do when they're crazy. Justin says that she doesn't know what Lisa thinks is happening here. And she's like, there's no time for BS. He's falling in love with you. Maybe you're falling in love with him too. I really don't care. Clay won't let the machine out unless they have gotten Newton. All her work, all the stuff with her family, it's all going to be for nothing. So if there's a chance of it working out and she wants to keep Faraday safe, help them find Newton. Justin says that she doesn't know where he is. And Lisa's like, but Faraday does. So Justin walks up to Faraday. She says that, 
she has to tell her about Newton. They, they know what he is. He says, of course they do. So she asks, what kind of person is Newton? He says he's a genius. And she's like, no, not that. What kind of person? Faraday's like, he's not a person. What, it's like, what are you saying? She asks, has he ever been violent? And Faraday's like, no. She says that she was shown a video of Newton murdering people, which kind of not really. I mean, it was, it was booby traps. So he says that they don't do violence. You know, they are not a violent species. He's like, that's humans. So they act for the collective. Newton's been here a long time alone. He wants to go home. So yes, he's changed, but not essentially. He's still Anthean. So Hatch goes to Edie. They're in. The DOE test is in 15 days. Clay and the agency don't know yet. And she says that she's learned a few things about Clay that they can use. And he's like, what? She says that all those years he tried to protect her. She's like... I'm so sorry that I didn't believe you. She's like, I'm sorry that I felt you betrayed her. But it's like, did he? Because Clay says that he knows that he that Hatch tried selling the the patent. So I'm not really sure what's going on. Edie's in her barn with a horse, and then Clay shows up, which is so annoying. Um, she's like, how'd you get past the gate? And and she's like, what do you want? He says that he's all by himself, and she's like, and you came to see me? Why? He says because you are too. So he's he says that. He knows that she has questions about him, and you know she. So they, they're like outside. She like lights up a cigarette, and he like takes a cigarette from her, and they're like sharing it. He says that you know she didn't grow up like he does, and you know because he's like looking at the place. He mentions that you know she had a father. You know does she miss him? There's a pause, and she's like yes. So he moves like a hand to her hair. He's like, when did you get this gray? And she's like, when he died. But then. Um, and then he like puts his head on her lap. And it's like, what, what the heck is going on? He says that his mother went to the United States when she was pregnant from Russia. So he was born Ivan Lupibotko. That was the name. That was the name she gave him. But she knows that already. And she's like, yeah. So he says it was an, an inevitable that she would try to find information on him for leverage. He says that his mom made wedding dresses. There's a million movies about immigrant seamstress making it in the city. That's what she was, except she wasn't. She was a terrorist. She packed the building where she worked with C4 and killed 13 people and then disappeared. So it left him behind. Someone did come into his life. It was a woman, and it's Drew. So we see, like, you know, flashback. He says that he was so frightened he pissed himself. She became his mom. It's the first time that he ever knew kindness, compassion, attention. He never found his other mother. He tried. He traced her to Kirov and then lost her. Twice he came close. He hopes that she's dead now. He hopes that she died alone. The kind woman recruited him into the agency. And he's like, I saw her today and I destroyed her. He's like, and I have to live with that. But that's okay. So she knew him really, really well. And now Edie does too. So if she brings up his past, it'll be so much worse for her. He's like, and I will burn those horses. Understand? And she's like, yes. So it's just, he is like so unbalanced. I mean, he is not right in the head. And just, just, he's on such a power trip. He thinks he can do anything. And I don't understand his obsession with Faraday. That has nothing to do with his mom. I thought there was like some connection maybe, but I don't think so. Faraday's looking at the camera. He like turns off the, the monitor. So Lisa's, she's like, sees that he, he does this. He turns on the TVs and then her screens all go out. He starts working on some circuitry. 
her door is like locked now so he's controlling it somehow so i i think he's like copying her files or he's looking at them or something like that so he watches the video he sees the soldiers he sees the dust he sees explosion goes back to the high-pitched noise and he tries to isolate it he unplugs his machine and then lisa runs after him and she says that she heard that tone it's a message isn't it but then he just keeps because he's like walking outside he just keeps walking so we see faraday goes to justin he just like puts on a record that the song oh girl closes the curtain and he whispers that they're listening there's a man in a car outside the apartment newton lied to me she's like i heard his message he's like i'm not going home i'm never going home neither is he he wants to bring them here he wants to bring the antheans here and that's where it ends so the, the show i i mean i i like it it's 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 a little stressful in a way because it's like what the heck is going on and and it's so weird because Again, going back to that first episode, we know he's given this big presentation about his device and everything like that, but it's just like, how the heck is that going to happen? And Clay, he's just so unhinged. And and even like with Edie and what is, it's like, I don't know who can be trusted and what's going on. And But it just, it just feels like there's so much bad stuff possible and coming, but we'll have to see what's going to happen next. Okay, I just realized I skipped Time Traveler's Wife. I usually do that before The Man Who Fell to Earth. I could edit it and try to... I'm not going to do that. So, episode five, The Time Traveler's Wife. Uh, we get more video confessions. And, you know, they say the thing with time travel is it isn't your only problem. You have other problems, too. So, older Henry says, for instance, her friends. Henry, 28, meets Gomez at a bar during the day. Gomez is 33, and he's so he's 28. Seems a little awkward, and so Gomez is like, uh, so how's Claire? And he's like, she's good. Same old Claire. Silence. Henry's like, Charisse? Oh, she's good. And Gomez is like, yeah, we have to ask, because then they'll ask you know, them later, you know, whatever. And Henry's like, even though they live in the same apartment, so they probably know how each other are. Then Henry asks, he's like, why are you looking at me weird? And he's like, you know, you always are. And Gomez says, you're a time travel. He's like, I'm aware of that. And Gomez is like, you're the first interesting thing that's ever happened to me. He's like, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I'm usually trying to prevent interesting things from happening. And he's like, now I'm friends with a time traveler. And he's like, are we though? Well, he's like, according to you, according to him. Henry says that they don't seem to have a lot in common. He's like, you know, apart from the obvious. And Gomez is like, the obvious. He's like, yeah, that we both want to sleep with Claire. Gomez gets defensive. He's like, no, 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 no. And he's like, relax. He's like, it's fine. But probably because you know he doesn't know the truth that they already did. But then Gomez stands up. He's like, you need to apologize. He, he says that he doesn't have those feelings for Claire or any kind. And he's like, yeah, sure you don't. So more talk, whatever. Then Gomez starts to leave and Henry yells out. He's like, he's like hey, we tried to have a, a drink. It didn't work. Let's leave it at that. Then he comes back. He's like, you think that you know, I'm giving you a funny look. He's like, maybe there's a reason for that that you don't know about. Henry, like, kind of snips back or whatever. You know, he, the, if he's going to put his hand on his knee, maybe you should buy him a drink first or like that. Gomez says that he's like, I've seen you before. He, and Henry's like, yeah, I know. I was drunk. He's like, no, before that. That wasn't the first time. And Henry's like, from when? Gomez childishly says, like, well, if, if you'd been, you know, behaving friendly, or if we've been having like a friendly drink, maybe I would have told you. And then he just leaves. So then we see Henry 38 at the clearing, which I thought we were done with the clearing. He's sitting on a rock. Claire is 16. So we're back there. So sketching his picture. And he asks if he can see it. And she's like, it's not ready. And he's like, well, I hope you remember that I'm wearing clothes. And she's like, how'd you know? 
And he's like, well, I've seen the finished picture. She's like, that's cheating. He's like, so is drawing me without any clothes. He mentions how he knows all her family, that he met them a long time ago. And he smiles. He's like, you're really funny. So Claire's 20, Henry's 38. She's driving them. And he asks if she hates her parents or something since she moved, you know, such a long ways away from them. So he's nervous and she just tells him to relax. He's like, no, it's because I'm in a car. He says that if he time travels now, wherever he ends up, he'll be doing 60. So then his phone buzzes and he just like ignores it. Later, they stop at a gas station and buzzes again. And she's like, your phone keeps going off and you don't answer it. He's like, I might, you know, start thinking it's your other girlfriend. He's like, yeah, it is. It's Gomez. So he's like, they went out for a drink and then had a little tiff. So they just openly talk. It's weird because they're just talking about things like inside the gas station, like when they're waiting in line, you know, picking up some snacks. There's just people like just talking in front of them, like not caring if anyone hears them. Because he, he says, you know, it's like stop comparing him to his future self. And she says that he was awesome. And, you know, she brings up like sex. And there's this guy like listening behind him. And he like looks at them. So I was like, is this going to mean something later? Well, I don't think so. Then Gomez calls again. She tells him to answer it. So Gomez like, how's the road trip? And he's like, is everything good with Claire? He's like, any time travel issues? And he says that he traveled uh, to 1963 and he shot up a motorcade and I, he's like I hope I didn't mess anything up Gomez is like are you serious he's like no so Gomez apologizes for the other day he brings up you know seeing him before he's like is it okay to tell you he's like it doesn't affect causality and Henry like laughs at his use of words and makes fun like he makes some other comment Gomez gets mad he's like fudge you and he hangs up and Henry's like I was joking but that was it so they arrive at her parents. Her brother um, comes out to greet them, and she, you know, she, they see him. And she asked Henry to promise not to try to out a hole him. She's like, "It's not a competition." Parents come out too. He makes a comment, you know, like how you know she's so young. She, you know, she's too young to be Claire's mom. He's like, "What were you eleven when you had her?" And then Mark's like, "So you're the guy who's been violating my kid sister," which is like, okay, very classy there. They sit and they have drinks outside. They talk about him working at the library and the special collections. Uh, Dad's like, what are your long-term plans? And he's like, uh, that's pretty much it. He's like, books aren't going anywhere. So Claire's dad's a lawyer, and he's so he has been to that particular library. Henry says that his friend's a lawyer, and so that that's two that he knows. And Mark's like, well, I'm a lawyer too. And Claire's like, almost a lawyer. And he's like, oh, it's close enough, whatever. Henry says that you know, two lawyers and a family, he's like, that could come in handy if anyone broke the law. And they're kind of like confused by his comment. He's like, he tries saying, that, like, not that any of you would, but there's a sort of safety net if you ever wanted to cut loose. Claire's just like looking at him as he's like digging himself deeper. More silence. Then a dad asks, he's like, well, what's your friend's name? And he's like, what friend? And then, um, oh, Henry's like, oh, it's Gomez. And dad's like, Jeff Gomez? He's like, no, he's in Kentucky. Like, what's his full name? He's like, I might know him. So Claire stays stays silent and she just sort of leaves him to fend for himself. Then like the housekeeper comes up and uh, so Claire's like Gomelinsky and Henry thinks that that's her name. But then Claire says Gomez. His name is is John Gomelinsky, but it's it's a nickname. So they just call him Gomez. Claire shows him to his room. It's it's called the blue room, even though it's not blue or whatever, because the name just stuck after it was remodeled. Um, he's like, where's your room? And then so she like takes him there. It's like, oh, our rooms are pretty far apart. He looks out her window, sees a clearing that leads to the meadow, and she brings up that that's where they met or where they're, they're going to meet. You know, he hasn't been there yet. She's like, it's so weird that you don't know that. 
And he's like, well, maybe we can go see it. And she's like, yeah, maybe. He's like, maybe? She's like, it's just the clearing. It was our place. And then he's like, it's, you know, he's like, I am him. And she's like, someday. Then he's like, you don't like me being here, do you? He's like, like, this place belongs to the other me. And she's like, that's stupid. He's like, yeah, it is, but it's true. He picks up a little box with the, the checkers board. And he says that, you know, maybe she could try being nice. And she's like, I am nice. And he says that she keeps looking disappointed that he's not him. And she says, well, you keep not being there. And he's like, well, apparently I'm going to get there. She says something about imagine how nice it would be to fall in love in the right order. Uh, He comes up to her and says that he has some pretty good qualities, too. Um, He like kind of tosses the the box of checkers on the bed and starts to kiss her. She gets upset. She's like, careful. And she picks up the box. She's like, don't just throw my things. And he's like, oh, do you really care? Or you really like checkers that much? And she's like, yeah. She's like, you know, I used to play checkers. She's like, this is the set I used with him, with you. And he's like, oh, it's kind of old. And she says, it's old and it's really special to me. Henry says, there's nothing special about old. Old is what happens to new stuff if you wait around long enough. And she's like, oh, please give me a lecture. And, you know, he says with time travel, you don't hold on to the past or worry about the future. It's like the only time that matters is now. That's the only time that ever is. The past is what didn't kill you. The future is what definitely will. And right in between is the only thing that matters. Like you, you and me right now. It's like she closes her her eyes and he starts kissing. And then she asks, you know, why does sex with him always make her feel like she's going to hell? And then Mark calls them. They're supposed to be down table in five or something like that. So she tells him to go back to his room and freshen up. In the bathroom, he hears someone in the room. So then this young woman comes in. She's like, oh, my God, you're here. I've missed you so much. And she, like, pushes him back into the bathroom. And she, like, runs her hands through his hair. Like, And he's like, who are you? And, you know, he tries to back away. And she corners him against the, the closed door. And she's like, oh, Henry, I'm the love of your life, the woman you're going to marry. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting none of this has happened for, for you yet. She's like, time travel must be so confusing. And the closed caption already revealed who she was. She's like, I'm Alicia. So she's Alicia Apshire. So he pushes away. She's like, Alicia, the sister? And she's like, that's right. Henry, darling. And yes, you've been very busy in, in this house. Claire walks in and he's like, I did not do anything. And Claire just says, oh, you two have met? And Claire's like, if you're fudging with Henry, and she scoffs. She's like, given half a chance. And Claire's like, don't fudge with my boyfriend in any sense of the expression. Henry's like, uh, can you explain? And Claire's like, says that she's her younger sister and she knows about him. And she likes to mess with people. And he's like, what does she know about me? And Claire's like, like I told her. He's like, what? Why? Alicia says that she saw him a few times. Claire says sometimes, you know, she would bring him in in the winter. And Alicia kept kept saying that there were, were naked men in the basement. So Claire had to explain what was going on to shut her up. And then Henry says, you told her I'm a time travel and she believed that? Alicia says the alternative was that her sister found a pipeline of naked men under the house. Time travel seems so disappointing by comparison. And then she says that uh, he looks just like the Henry in a drawing apart from the hair. And she's like, you shouldn't change that. And he's like, the drawing? And Alicia's like, like, yeah, we should show him. They leave Henry to finish getting ready. He stares like in in the, the mirror. Alicia's like, he's hot. And Claire's like, oh, yeah, I didn't notice before because I was in love with him. We see in the bathroom, the sink is still running and, and he's gone. So Henry lands in the streets of Chicago naked. 
he landed like on top of this biker dude who's not happy. So um, he guys like about to go after him, and Henry kicks his legs as he gets up. You know, he's taking the offensive route. Claire tells her sister that she fell in love with him when she was a kid, and now he's a kid. And she, Alicia's like, he's not a kid. She says, but he turns up all young, and Alicia says, young and hot. And Claire's like, but that's not the point. Then she hears a faucet, so they go back as. You know, Henry's fighting this biker dude, but they, in the bathroom, they see the faucets overflowing. There's just a pile of clothes on the floor. So Henry is taking some blows. He ducks as the guy charges at him. He flips him over his shoulder, like using the dude's own momentum. Unfortunately, he knocks over a line of, of parked motorcycles. And he, there's like other dudes from this bar. They start walking towards them, like all ticked off. Claire tells her mom that she thinks that Henry's feeling a, a little carsick. So can they push lunch and dad's like oh we could push it an hour is that enough and and it seems like they have to keep a tight schedule you know they have to make sure so it's very weird then uh she looks at the fireplace she's like has it always been like that because it's fake and she's like i always thought it was real so it's like i guess it's supposed to be part of thing is where you don't always notice things or you know when you go back home you see things that you 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 realize what they're really like so the, the the biker gang they're circling around henry he gets punched. He's on the ground. He has a bloody face. Then his car pulls up playing like this loud, cheesy music. Gomez walks out and he mentions some cameras nearby that have their faces filmed. And he's like, you know, one looks in the direction he posts. He's like, and now we have a full face on you. Thank you. He's like, and the rest of you, you're all good. So he goes up to Henry. He's like, hey there, comrade. He's like, welcome to the future. He's like, it's 2022. And he's like, please disregard my hairline. He also has like a, a bit of a gut, which looks really fake. So he stands up and he tells the gang that the footage from those two cameras is being uploaded to a hard drive that they don't have any access to. His law firm, on the other hand, has already logged a request to see tonight's footage. He's like, I had kind of an inkling that something good was going down. He's like, so here's my advice, my legal advice, go to Fudge Home. So Claire talks to Nell, the housekeeper, asks if she can push lunch an hour, you know, won't put her out. And she's like, she kind of laughs. Claire's asked what she thinks of him. And she's like, well, he's pretty enough. She's like, is he rich? And Claire's like, well, he has potential. Nell says, make sure he's rich. And she's like, that's my thinking. Or you'll be standing at a kitchen sink for the rest of your life. Claire asks if she remembers her imaginary friend, the one that she told her about that she found in the woods. And she's like, that was you? I thought that was Alicia. She's like, oh, it all blurs together. Claire's like, I used to tell you all my secrets. And I was like, well, it's good since I can't remember them. She asks Claire if she wants tea, coffee. She's like, it's no bother. She's like, that's what I'm paid for. So I think um, this is supposed to show, you know, Claire has like these fond memories of Nell. You know, she can confide in her or anything like that. But Nell didn't really care. You know, she was just an employee. So she's just like humoring the kid, basically. 2022, they're, they're sitting. I don't know if they're in the same bar that the dudes were at before. Gomez is eating Henry's uh, dress, but he's like sitting back in pain. He's And he's pretty beat up. Henry asks him why he keeps calling him comrade. And Gomez is like, well, I'm part Polish. He's like, you never asked about it before. And Henry's like, well, for me, it's 2008. He's like, I only just met you. And Gomez wonders like, oh, do you, I wonder if you like me now. And Henry's like, do I ever, you know, do I ever like you? Gomez laughs. Then Gomez is like, like, well, we have something in common at least. And he's like, yeah, what's that? And he's like, we're in love with the same woman. Henry takes this and, you know, he takes it and he scoffs. He's like, you don't hide it very well. You know that, comrade? He's like, Claire knows. He's like, I know. He's like, Jesus, Sh- Sharice must know. Then he's like, does Sharice know? And Gomez pauses. He's like, 
Mm, yes. He's like, the answer is yes. I'm afraid you do like me. Then Enri's asks, asks, he's like, so how am I doing in the, you know, whatever year this is? Gomez is like, you're still around. He's like, well, I figured, you know, with my condition and all, you know, not, I'm not in it for the long haul. He, he points to his face. He's like, can't see this working out when I'm old. Gomez is like, he's like, yeah, well, you know, you're still around in 2022. And he's like, oh yeah, you waiting until I'm not so you can swoop in as soon as I'm out of the picture. Gomez says that he has a problem with him being out of the picture, which is complicated and kind of exhausting. And Henry's like, why is that? And Gomez is like, because it'll break my heart. He's like, we're best friends, Henry. He's like, you'll learn to live with it. Or do you think there's some other reason why I just saved your butt by walking up to a bunch of psycho bikers and lying to them about the cameras? Henry's surprised that, you know, he's like, he surprised there's no cameras. And he's like, he chuckles. He's like, he's impressed by this. He's like, shoot. He's like, I do like you. So Gomez is like, I know. Then he's like, how can he like someone who's hot for his future wife? And Gomez is like, because things change over time. He's like, for instance, these days, I'm hot for your current wife. So they both laugh. He's like, I'll tell you what doesn't change, though. I know it's hopeless. I know she was in love with you since before I knew who you were or even that you were a real person. And Henry's like, you'll have to explain that one to me. Gomez says that he saw the drawing, the one that she did of him, a drawing like that. He figured she had to be in love. And then Henry coughs a little, and Gomez watches beeps. He's like, put your coffee down. And then he's like, Bruckner's 21st of September, 2022, 7.32 to 8.05. Make a note of it when you get home. And then poof. And then the waitress actually sees him, and she's like, oh. So it's like, how do you explain that? I mean, I guess, I don't know, because there's a pile of clothes now in the chair. Then uh, Alicia tells Claire that she thinks she heard Henry. She thinks that he's back. She goes up to the room, sees a note with a place, date, and time. It says, tell Gomez. She hears Henry in the bathroom, so he took a shower. She asks where he went, and he's like, when's lunch? And she's like, pretty much now. And she's like, should I say you're ill? He's he's like, no. He's like, I'll be ready. Just cover for me. And he's like, and go easy on me for once. So she looks at the door. She's like, well, you go easy on me. And he's like, okay. So then he, he looks in the mirror. Downstairs, the family's sitting at the table. Mark's making sarcastic comments over just, you know, being able to smell the soup. He's like, oh, it smells so good. Claire's like, you know, you can eat. He's like, Henry will be down. And mom's like, he's our guest. We can wait. So Claire says, to be honest, she and Henry have been fighting. And Alicia's is like, oh, yeah, new relationship stuff. So she's like, you know, trying to help out. Claire's like, he'll be down in a minute. So just be nice. Don't interrogate him. She said, you know, Henry said something that she didn't like. And maybe she got too judgmental. Then Henry comes down and he's like, oh, you should have started without me. They all look, you know, his his face is like cut and bruised, whatever. He has to sit very slowly. Then she's like, uh, no. So they're all like staring at him. And he points his face. He's like, oh, this? He's like, never disagree with Claire, right? And kind of chuckles. Mom's like shocked. And Claire defensively is like, she's like, I didn't hit him. Jesus, I didn't hit you. And Henry's like, no, no, she definitely didn't hit me. Then he's like, oh, I fell in the shower. And Claire repeats, she's like, he fell in the shower. And mom's like, why didn't you say something? And Claire's like, oh, I forgot. And dad's like, forgot? And Alicia's like, yeah, she forgot, you know, because of the fight. And Henry's like, there wasn't really a fight. We never really fight. And Claire's like, no, we were fighting. I was just explaining. Alicia tries changing some subject by asking Henry about his parents. Claire hasn't really mentioned them. And Mark's like, oh, she probably forgot. <laughs> Because he's being like a jerky brother. 
Henry says his dad plays violin for Chicago Philharmonic. And the parents are like, oh, we've been there several times. And, and the dad's like, well, but your mother. And Henry's like, oh, she died when I was young. He's like, she was a singer. She worked with my dad. And Claire uh, tells him, he's like, his mom was Annette Lynn Robinson. And mom's like, no, really? Really? And she's like, we actually have several of her recordings. And mom says that Alicia plays the cello. It's always been her dream. Alicia's like, no. She's like, I'm a hairdresser. She's like, I like being a hairdresser. Mark starts asking about his fall in the shower. And Alicia says, she's like, we covered that already. And he's like, uh, when did you have this to fight? The one that made her, her uh, Claire forget. Then uh, mom says that Henry's dad could give uh, Alicia lessons. And she's like, lessons in hairdressing? She's like, he could do that? And mom's like, she's like, no. She's like, it could help her get back on track. And she's like, I am on track. She's like, I'm doing something I'm good at. Mom's like, I just want you to do more. You know, my daughter, the, the cellist and the artist. And Claire's like, I'm an art student. And then Mark points out that Henry's bleeding. And he, he keeps pushing about him, you know, lying on the bathroom floor, bleeding or whatever. Claire becomes critical and just like, you know, leaves him there. But remembers that she might have been a bit judgmental. Then she tells him to like fudge off. She's like, really? Just fudge to fudge off mark just smiles and nods claire's like you know what i've had enough of everything she's like mom your daughter's a hairdresser and she's perfectly happy about it and that is totally fine your other daughter is an art student which means she better get good at bank robbery because sorry everyone she's gonna marry a librarian and your one and only son is such a total fudging a-hole he did the impossible and became a lawyer without getting noticeably worse it's like these are the things you have to deal with thank you for the fudging soup she leaves and Henry laughs and then he like excuse himself. He groans as he gets up after her. And the mom's like, did she say Mary? Claire like locked the door to her bedroom and she won't answer. Alicia comes up she's, and she knows how to like to jimmy the door open. So Claire just went out the window for some reason instead of going out a door. So Henry sees her running out to the clearing and Alicia's like, where's she going? And then she, he sees uh, the drawing and he's like, she's looking for him. So Henry's 38, and in the, in the, the picture he was, you know, he's 28, and the picture he was 38. As Claire runs through the woods, she sees graffiti on a rock. There's, like, random debris lying around. There's a couple trucks spewing black smoke drive by its nearby road. So she's narrating that when you're young, nothing gets in the way of the fairy tale. So the, the clearing is littered with trash. There's, like, this old mattress. There's a shopping cart. And she sees, like, a factory in the distance with huge smokestacks. And she's like, when you grow up, the vision clears and you see so much less. So she pulls out the box and there's like some bugs inside and then she just sits on a rock. So it's like, did things really drastically change this like two years? Or it, was it always kind of like this and she just didn't really pay attention? So Henry sits looking at the drawing. Alicia says that her parents all are all right. So is her brother. They're just people. So she tells him that Claire took the drawing to Chicago with her when she was missing him. And he looks at himself like in a hand mirror. Alicia says that if he asked her, she could have, you know, put on some concealer on, on a bruises or something like that. And then he looks at her, he's like, can you help me? So Claire's still at the rock. And then Henry calls out her name. She says that she guesses this place means nothing to him. And she asks if he ever gets deja vu she wanted to have, you know, like a big ceremony and bringing him out here for the first time. And he says it doesn't matter because he's there now. So she turns around and his hair is short. And she like stares in disbelief. So he says again, he's like, I'm here now. So she keeps like staring and he's like, oh, your sister's pretty good. And he's like, 
are you going to tell me what you think? And he's like, you know, lots, there's lots of flashbacks, all his visits and everything like that. She steps towards the rock and he, she says, you asked me a question in this clearing once, or you're going to, she's like, I never got around to answering. And he's like, yeah, what was the question? She says, well, the answer is yes. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. She says, I'm sorry. She's like, I loved you from the start, from the moment that I met you in that stupid library. I was completely in love with you. She's like, I was just expecting someone else. He's like, that's okay. He's like, I, I can do that. I can be somebody else. Smooch. And the clearing is like now magically cleaner as, as a camera that like kind of pans out and, you know, spins around them. And that's the end. So that was uh, episode five. We have one more episode. And uh, I know two things that are supposed to happen. I'm pretty sure are supposed to happen. I actually just found my book. I, I like I it was in, in the shelf like I tucked away behind something else and I was like oh here's the book that I read so long ago so uh, I'm I'm a little nervous about these two other things and I don't actually kind of may I think maybe three things we'll talk about it next week I don't want to spoil anything in case you're keeping up with actually by the time you listen to this the last episode is already out so check it out if you want or wait till next week. Okay, then with Obi-Wan Kenobi, episode five, there's actually a warning. And this one says there are certain scenes in this fictional series that some viewers may find upsetting. That's it. I, I get, at first I'm like, why are they showing this? I mean, there's lots of upsetting things. I guess I guess I can see why. Okay. Uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin are having like a friendly duel on Coruscant. So he's still a Padawan. So I don't know if this is before attack before uh, Revenge of the Sith, maybe. Before is it before Attack of the Clones? I don't know. Uh, Vader is looking out the viewport on the bridge of his Star Destroyer. Third sister arrive. She says it's you know great honor to be invited aboard, and he's like I'm not interested in civilities. Where is he? She says that the tracker worked. He's arriving on Jabim right now. So he he tells her that she's done well. Then he tells her to kneel. He's like, Grand Inquisitor. She gets this like little new batch thing too. It's like you can hardly see it. So she's a new Grand Inquisitor. And Jabim, the freighter ship lands. There's a big crowd of people waiting there. It's like, why, why are they just all sitting there waiting? Um, ben is surprised to see Haja there. And he says that, you know, he had nowhere else to go. He got in a fight with the big scary lady Inquisitor. And now he's wanted by the Empire. So then Ben tells Roken that he needs to get Leia back to Alderaan. Roken's like, yeah, as soon as we get these people, you know, these other people out of here, he's like, they've been waiting for months. And he's like, we use an old trade route, but that window's closing. So the Star Destroyer is traveling through hyperspace. He says to lock down Jabim. Third sister says that, you know, if they lock them in, that they could, you know, they could hold out for days. Lola activates and she starts floating around, you know, glowing red. Ben looks at the writing on the walls. The light will fade, but is never forgotten. He sees a bunch of lightsabers sitting on a box. And you would think someone might be like, yoink, I'm going to keep that. There's like some old cloaks or, I mean, maybe they just have a lot of respect. You know, not to take it. Or maybe it'd just be dangerous to possess. Someone might think you're a Jedi and kill you. And then we see Lola's like flying around, like messing with some circuitry. Then the overhead hangers opening, it closes. And they also realize that an Imperial Star Destroyer has arrived. So this, uh, one says that she must have tracked them. And Ben's like, it's not her, it's Vader. 
So then we see more to dueling flashback. Obi-Wan tells him he's growing too aggressive to be mindful. A Jedi's goal is to defend life, not take it. Anakin swings, and then they end up like back to back. Anakin's like, mercy doesn't defeat the, an enemy master, which is why you're going to lose. And he like, swings. Vader stares at the planet below. He's like, launch the attack. Ben talks to everyone, says he understands they're scared. The Empire's attack will begin soon. They don't need to defeat them. They just need to hold them off long enough for them to all get out. Then he asks Roken, he's like, how long do you need to override the hangar doors? And he's like, three or four hours. Ben's like, you have one. Then he says that they're going to, they have to lock down every other entrance to the facility. And if they can defend their position together, then they'll be gone by the time the Empire can get inside. So two transport ships fly down inside. They barricade the entrances. Stormtroopers exit their, their ship. They set up the big cannon. Third sister arrives. Fire! Start shooting at the door. Roken tries opening the hangar doors. It's like grinds, like just like nothing. Haja says, he was like, well, that was un- underwhelming. He suggests, he's like, you know, maybe you could crawl in a bed to see what's going on. Roken's like, yeah, I'm a little too big. He's like, would you like to try? Leia gets up. She's like, I'm going... Uh, she's like, I'm going to need a ladder. And Roken's like, it's not playtime now, princess. Ben says, do as she says. He's like, you trust me? I trust her. So, and then Ben tells her to be careful. So he looks at this message from Bale, like in this little holo chip thing, disc thing that he's holding. And Bale's like, I know I'm not supposed to contact you, but if he's found you or if he's learned about the children, he's like, if I, if I don't hear from you, I'll head to tattooing. He's like, Owen will need help with the boy. So Tala comes up to him and asks if everything's all right. She tells a story about following orders before and seeing like force-sensitive families gathered and killed. So he's right. Some things you can't forget, but you can fight to make them better. Roken says that they're in trouble. The door's not going to hold much longer. Ben's like, tell Inquisitor that I want to talk. He's like, I'll buy as much time as I can. Third sister approaches the door. Ben's on the other side. She's like, if this is you stalling for time, it won't work. Lord Vader will have you at any cost. Ben quietly says, you mean Anakin? He's like, you knew who Vader was. He's like, how did you know that? He's like, Vader would have kept that hidden. And you're too young to have known him unless, unless you were there. She says it doesn't matter how she knows. He says, the night of Order 66, you were a youngling. That's how you knew. You saw him. And she's like, stop. And he's like, Anakin killed the others. That's enough. He killed the other younglings, but somehow you sir, enough, enough. So we see a flashback of the, the youngling standing and Anakin coming in with some clone troopers. He's wearing his cloak. His lightsaber is lit. His third sister quietly says, we thought he was there to help us. I tried to, to help him, but I couldn't. I was too weak. When he left, I played dead. I hid with the bodies. I felt them go cold. It's like, they were the only family I knew, and he slaughtered them. Ben says, you're not serving him, are you? You're hunting him. Let me help you. She says, why would I ever trust you? Because we want the same thing. Do we, Obi-Wan? Do you really want Anakin dead? Then there's a pause. It's like, where were you when he was killing my friends? He was your Padawan. Why didn't you stop him? Why didn't you save us? I don't need your help. I don't need anyone. And Ben's like, you won't stop him alone. You have no idea what I have done alone. And then she has her light. She takes her lightsaber. She jabs it through the door like way too easily. And she's like slices her to barricade thing, keeping it shut. It's like we saw in Phantom Menace when they go through the door. It's like it's like it was like slow. 
and she just it's this is like nothing so the door opens and then she enters ben like shoves her with back with the force and he yells at everyone's side to fall to back to second position stormtroopers are like getting shot and it's like wait only stormtroopers are getting shot like none of the innocent people are getting shot yet haja yells at leia that they have to hurry and he's like are you listening and she just yells at him to stop talking now we see a couple of innocent people are, are, are actually getting shot. That big lifter droid, he's fighting too. Then uh, Tala gets shot in the gut and Ben yells her name. The The lifter droid, he got shot too and he's like using his body to like shield her. He's like getting hit more and then he like shuts down. So he sacrificed himself. Then she yells at Ben to go. She has a thermal detonator. So she shoots the, the blast door when Ben goes through. And then third sister sees the thermal detonator. She yells, get back. So Tala's done. I don't know if I mentioned in the news, but at one point Tala was supposed to be a love interest for Ben. And then they're like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't do that because that's too too cheesy. That just because there's a male and female that they have to be romantically interested in each other. But you can kind of tell that there was like something, like they're hinting at it, but... I mean, it's unfortunately, you know, it, it just, it shouldn't be all the time. I mean, I, I've gone over this so many times. Anyways, Vader is told uh, the Grand Inquisitor has breached the walls. They'll have him soon. And he's like, tell her to stand down. Kenobi is already ours. So back to the dueling flashback. There's no way out, Master. Admit you are beaten. So Roken asks, what's wrong? And Ben's like, it's over. He's like, I'm going back. Roken's like, you can't quit. He's like, you fought too long. And Ben can't, he's like, you can't just throw that away. If he surrenders, it's it's over for all of them. Ben's like, Vader wants me. Roken's like, if you surrender, then she died for nothing. He'll keep coming. He's like, that's why I have to stop him. Then Haja asks, he's like, are, are you going to fight him? And Ben's like, he expects me to surrender. He knows that I'll do everything I can to protect these people. So he hands over his lightsaber and blaster and holo communicator to Haja. He asked him, he asked Haja to look out for Leia. Roken's like, how are you going to fight without a weapon? And Ben's like, there are other ways to fight. So Ben comes out with his hands up. Stormtroopers grab him. Leia's still looking for the red circuit. Um, that, and Lola is in there also like in a, the, the vent, like hiding behind some cables and stuff. Ben is brought to third sister. Inform Lord Vader, Kenobi is ours. She's got this like weird inflection, whatever the way she, you know, she emphasizes some words and others. He sh- he's shoved to his knees. Reva says that he's on his way and he's going to die soon. He's like, you're not bringing him to me. I'm bringing him to you. He's like, this isn't over yet. And she approaches him. She's like, there are families back there. Children are just like, are you going to let him do it again? What he did to you? We could all end this together. And she kind of looks around and then she's like, what makes you think he won't see it coming? And he's like, because all he'll see is me. So she steps back and then like the two troopers take Ben. In the flashback, Ben is down. Anakin's like pounding on him like with a lightsaber. And, you know, Ben's like just blocking it. And then he ducks, he dodges, gets back up. And then he finally knocks uh, Anakin, knocks the saber out of his hand. And Anakin's like, there, your weapon's gone. He smiles. He's like, it's over. Obi-Wan says, he's like, your need for victory, Anakin, it blinds you. So Vader has arrived. He walks towards third, third sister. Where is he? And she's like, he's secured inside. I will bring him in myself. Inside, 
Ben got free, and he, I guess apparently he shot the two star trooper, and he's like running. So Leia finds the right circus circuit. Lola comes out. She's like, Lola, what are you doing here? And then it starts like menacingly flying towards her face. She's like, Lola, stop, stop. And then she grabs it and she sees a tiny restraining bolt. Pluck. She just like takes it right off. And then blue eyed Lola is back like the red's gone. So now Lola's back to normal. Vader enters, sees the two fallen troopers. So he's got to be like ticked off. Leia fixes the circuits. The uh, hangar opens. Everyone's still standing around. It's like, should they be like inside the ship ready to take off as soon as the doors open? She climbs down. Ben comes up to her. She's like, where's Tala? And the others are running. And then Dum Dum Haja drops like the whole old thing. Of course. So you know something's going to happen with that. Vader's uh, walking through the tunnels. He enters the main area as a ship takes off. He uses the force, which is cool. This, I'm, I'm glad we're finally seeing this again. He's using the force to hold it back, and he makes it land with a like thud. And then um, he, this was like he just tears open the hull, just whoosh, whoosh. and then he's like, "Look, side, it was like a decoy." Because then this other ship takes off, like like next to it, which is like that was pretty smart and convenient. <laughs> So then a flashback, Ben blocks and moves. He hits Anakin from behind with an elbow, uses the force to pull a lightsaber from his hand. You're a great warrior, Anakin, but your need to prove yourself is your undoing. Until you overcome it, a Padawan, you will still be. And he turns off the lightsaber, hands it back. And Ben kind of smirks a little bit and then pats him on the shoulder. So Vader's stands looking up in silence. Reva walks up with her lightsaber in her hand and she lights it and she swings down. Vader easily stops her with the force. He slowly turns around. He was wise to use you against me. And she screams as he's like, he force shoves her back. She charges and he just like blocks with the force. She keeps like swinging and then she um, lights her lightsaber from the other side, starts spinning it because you know it's got that, that circle thing. So he's still forcing her back. So the spinning kind of slows down. And then he like plucked that out of her hand into his. And he like snaps it in half. He turns one off and he tosses it at her, at her feet. Which is weird. It's like, why doesn't he want to use his own lightsaber? It's like, because she's beneath him. So she lights it. Vader swings slowly. Like uses a force. And then, you know, she's on her knees. And she thinks back to when she was a youngling. And Vader impales her. And she like falls over. And he looks at her. Did you really believe I did not see it, youngling? You are of no further use. And then the original Grand Inquisitor walks up. Hello, third sister. Revenge does wonders for the will to live, don't you think? Your rage was useful. Now it is tiresome. And then he like plucks the badge off of her, off of her. We will leave you where we found you, in the gutters where you belong. Goodbye, Grand Inquisitor. And then he leaves. Roken tells Ben that their hyperdrive is down and they're like right behind him. Reva, she's still alive, apparently. She's like grunting and crawling on the ground and she reaches like half her saber. And But of course, she sees the, the whole Ocon thing. So anyway, Roken asks Ben if he's listening and he's like, something's wrong. And then uh, she reaches a comm, plays Bale's message. He says something about children. He's headed to Tatooine. Owen, with the boy... And Ben looks around, looks at Leia, says to Roken, he's like, oh, I'm sure it's nothing. And it goes to Tatooine, and Luke's like sleeping, and then that's the end. But it's like, what the heck? So Reva, she gets impaled, but that doesn't kill her. Grand Inquisitor gets impaled, that doesn't kill him. 
I mean, there could be more to it than that. I mean, maybe there's clones or who knows what. But it's like, okay, you're going to kill someone. You're going to stab someone with a lightsaber. Why don't you, like, make sure you kill them? Because, I mean, Qui-Gon got impaled and he died. He just got hit right at the right spot or something. It's just like, oh, man. But that's uh, that's uh, the end of the episode. So uh, that was episode five. So that means we have one more. Hmm. So that that's going to be ending next week and Time Traveler's Wife's ending. So we'll have to see. But I, I like, I mean, the, the Vader stuff, I, I like the ship and the, uh, all, you know, tearing the hull apart. And it was, it was cool seeing the, the, the duel with, with Hayden Christensen and, and Ewan McGregor. So it was, it was a good episode, but yeah, we'll have, I feel like there's still so much more that we, we, we could like, is there going to be a season two? We'll see. Probably. I feel like probably not, but I hope so. Then we have the boys season three. Episode four, I was said season one, glorious five-year plan. So it starts off with like a, a shot of solid gold. It's like how many? I wonder how many people like today like still remember solid gold. Like I mean, I guess some people watching would. So Soldier Boy is on. He's like doing this, like singing this rap song or whatever. Mother's Milk's watching, and he thinks back to like his dad. So like whatever you know happened between them. Butcher is still cleaning his throw up from the last episode Huey comes out he's like you're on V and Butcher's like temporary he he claims he got he's like where'd you get it he's like oh one of those websites you know and Huey's like he's like none of your snarky poop and then Butcher says that he took one dose when and gunpowder is dead so you know they know what they need to know he's like you killed gunpowder with powers he says it's over he's like let's leave it Huey's like do the others know and he's like no they do not and they find out I'll put you in a flipping coma. So it's like Butcher's getting all like hoity-toity, high and mighty. It's like he's the one that, that took the V, even though they're so against it and everything. Homelander, he's on, on the news show, Cameron Coleman, our whatever, just like the, he's saying how the media is attacking him for his birthday speech. Homelander says that, you know, people are trying to shut him up and all this garbage, whatever. Edgar shows up in Newman's and, you know, they, they talk about Homelander. She says that, you know, he can't go after him because, you know, it's like federal policy. But Edgar says no one is, is going after him. They just need to remind him who's in power. So he mentions uh, the talk show that morning and he's testing boundaries. He says it's like a parent and a kid. Like she says that, you know, yeah, but my daughter won't tear my spine out. Edgar says that he used some foul language during his speech so they can um, give him a stern reprimand and like some FCC fines, nothing serious. But just a reminder that he can't get away with anything. And he's like, Homelander is still afraid of him, and he'd never let anything happen to her or Zoe. So, she, you know, she doesn't have to worry. Butcher and Frenchie go to meet with Nina. There's, like, you know, some chit-chat, what, what stuff. And then he says that he's after a bit of tech, a weapon. And he thought that her and her mates at the Kremlin might be able to help. So he puts a bag on a table, and he says that's to cover Sherry's, what what she owes, plus a, a hundred grand for her troubles. And she asks if his bureau knows that he's giving her their nice clean money because she opens like flips some of the money. And he says, it's the U.S. government, love. He's like, they'll just print more. Then she says the money is good for her troubles, but what about her pain and suffering? Then there is a time spent and her stress. Butcher asks, you know, what would ease her pain? And she says, Sherry. And Frenchie gets upset and she says that that's all she wants. Butcher says that, they're just getting started, so surely there must be some wiggle room. Huey's watching uh, 
studio cut of the show where Homelander tells everyone that he and Starlight are in love. Um, she tells him that it, it airs tonight, and like he's like, hashtag Homelight. He's like, you agree to this? She says, well, it's like you said, whatever it takes. He's like, well, it'll be okay. And he's like, let him, you know, let me save you for once. And she's like, you know, this has to work. And then you hear, what'll work? Or what has to work? And Homelander walks in. She's like, my Voight Sonic speaker setup. She's like, I'm sorry, how'd you get in? He's like, oh, I have a key. He's like, you know, I have to keep an eye on my best girl, right? He's like, oh, you're such a sound sleeper, by the way. And he's like, oh, I'm kidding. He's like, lighten up. And then he like pats them both on the shoulder. And so he tells her that they got to go. And then he, he grabs Huey when he gets up. He just like signs his, his cast. And he tells him, he's like, oh, it's for the Rolling Stone hot issue cover. You know, it's just for show. But, you know, that's how him and Maeve start. Because they're supposed to be like hot couple or something like that. Or hot. I forget what, the, what he said. But he's like, that's how how he and Maeve started. And that got quite spicy. He ta- then he's like talking about Maeve. Then he's like, what's Starlight like? Is she a good blank? And her eyes start glowing because you know he, he's just so demeaning and everything like that. Huey like stands up tall to him. And he's actually a little taller. And Homelander start casting. He's like, whoa. And Annie's like, touch him or anyone he cares about. And I'll walk. And I'll take my approval points with me. Homelander like rolls his eyes and he mouths like woman. And then he's like, I'm just kidding. A train talks to Ashley about blue Hawk. He says, that's the dude that, that went after the, the black guy in the neighborhood and curb stomped him. And she's like, who cares about him? And he's like, he's way below your pay grade. And a train's like, he's brutalizing people in Trenton. He's like, I think Voight has a responsibility here. Ashley laughs. And she's like, Oh, you're serious. And he's like, I just want to talk to him. She says, yeah, of course. You know, social justice is important around here. And he's like, since when? And she's like, Black Lives Matter is my favorite hashtag. He's like, my Insta, it's nothing but black screens. And she's like, and look at you. This new outfit is exactly, you know, what inspired this entire campaign. So let's shoot the spot so we can, and we can talk about Blue Hawk later. So you see this commercial. It's like a peace protest. It's just like the the commercial that we've seen. There's like police in riot gear. Protesters are approaching. Then A Train runs up and he like hands the officer a can of Turbo Rush Drink Celebration. And he's like, "We've got to listen to each other." It was like you know totally cheesy, like that one commercial, the Pepsi commercial, I think. Huey calls Newman. And says that you know he's still in pain because he you know he so I think his excuse is he fell off his peloton is that what the bike things are called so he's like you know probably like four or five more days but they're actually headed to Nina's private jet to go to Russia. Maeve's sword she's in her in her she's swinging her sword in her office and Annie you know goes to talk to her and she's like have you ever heard of something called BCL Red and Maeve's says you mean the weapon that can kill Homelander and she's like what butcher can find it. And she's like, you know? And Maeve's like, who do you think you know, sent him down the rabbit hole? And she's like, it's it's why I'm training and I haven't had a drink for in four months. So she's like, maybe I can buy Butcher a second or two and get a good shot. So and she's really kind of coming down on herself. And you know, she's like, she knows that it's a huge risk for her, but you know, and Annie's like, you don't have to blame yourself or you know, whatever, and, and but she feels like responsible. In Russia, the boys arrive at like this old gas station. You know, I, I don't know if they're just holding out there. On a TV, there's a news report. It's in Russian about Homelander and Starlight being a couple. They make mention of Huey. You know, we can't under, I can't understand what's going on. But it's like kind of like animated, like little cutout 
mock images of them you know it, it kind of refers to uh, Huey being out and then he's like his head's like on a baby's body and he's like crying and Butcher says that you know Nina's been true to her word and has located the lab so but before she tells them they have to do a little job for her just like some local oligarch who's got her who's got in her bad books so I was like what the heck is Ogilarch it's a very rich business leader so I guess in Russia or something like that Frenchie says, he's like, I don't do this anymore. He's like, definitely not for Nina. Butcher says, well, that's good because you're not the one doing it. And he's like, she is. So he's talking about Kamiko. So she goes in as a pro girl and then he's like, and I guess kills the dude. He's like, easy peasy. She starts typing something and Frenchie's like, I'm begging you, no. Butcher says, it was either this or Sherry's head. Kamiko types, she's like, I'm not your fudging gun. And Butcher looks at her, he's like, that is exactly what you are. In case you both forgot, he's like, I tell you what to do, and you flip and do it. It's like, Butcher can be like such a jerk sometimes. It's like, why? Starlight is uh, playing Supersonic's cheesy song again, because he, he's in her like office thing. Um, so he, she asks if it comes down to it, will he help her against Homelander? And he's like, are you serious? And she says, with the way he's been acting lately, and Supersonic's like, he's like in, invincible. He said there, there might be, but she's like, there might be a way. And it's better if he doesn't know how, but they'll probably need like four or five more. So she's like, I'm sorry to ask, but I don't know who else to turn to. And then he's just like, I, I'm in. And she's like, she's like, I don't understand. Why are you being so nice to me? He's like, isn't it obvious? He's like, you're the only girl I've ever loved. And she backs up. She's like, uh, I'm sorry, but me and Huey, he's like, I'm just messing with you. He's like, get over yourself. He's like, you really think my grandmother was going to let me marry the whitest girl of all white? But I think he does like her. Uh, there's a meeting for the seven homelander welcomes supersonic and he makes a comment about him being starlight's former lover because it's, it's it's so inappropriate whatever and he's like to honor you we have some food to make you feel welcome like some burrito bowls and he's like it should make you feel right at home and um he's like there's like talking spanish and supersonic is like i don't really speak spanish and then homelander says he's like okay meeting over he's like i need the room even though they, it's like they just got their food. And A-Train says, actually, he's like, I have something. Homelander isn't happy, but he's like, ah. he's like, floor is yours. A-Train says that he wants to talk about Blue Hawk. Ash just like rolls her eyes. Homelander, he's he's like, who? And Ash is like, he operates out of Trenton. A-Train says that he's been over-patrolling black neighborhoods, and it's a problem. Starlight's like, that's terrible. And he's like, thank you. He's like, it is. It's weird because Cassandra, Deep's wife, she's there too. It's like, why is she sitting in, in a meeting? She texts something to the Deep and he mouths. He's like, now? And A-Train says that it could be good and give them a bump with the African-American community. Then the Deep says this rehearsed line that Cassandra obviously fed him about them needing more heroes, not less. And Homelander's like, well, there's your answer. He's like, so bad luck, A-Train. He's like, huh? Ashley uh, gets some bad news and she tells Homelander that Victoria Newman is doing a press conference right now or tonight. And he's like, so she's like, it's about you. So he's like, and you're just finding out about this now. So then in the hall, a train goes up to deep. He's like back there. He's who the fudge asks you your opinion. And he's like, well, I'm a member of this team. A train says, you know, Homelander's a great man, but the way you kiss his butt is so flipping gross. So they bicker and insult each other. Then deeps. He's like, He's like, well, what if I tell Homelander that you leaked all that Nazi Stormfront uh, stuff to the press? Atrian's like, well, what if I tell Homelander that you had his fish get a video of the plane that he gave to Maeve? 
like I guess he had them fish it out of the ocean. So then Deep shoves him and he's like, come at me, bro. He's like, oh, I forgot your legs don't work. A-Train punches him in the gut or like the gill. He's like, you gill punch me, you mofo. Gill punched me. <laughs> uh, then he charges at A-Train. He knocks him against the wall. There's like, put, actually put like a dent in the wall. And then they're both on the floor and Homelander walks up. He's like, boys, boys, boys. He helps Deep up and he says to A-Train, he's like, why don't you just stay there and rest those useless flipping legs? And then Deep just like smiles. He like looks back and like smiles at him as, as they're walking away. So Supersonic tries calming A-Train down. They go in the elevator down the lobby. He's like mad. He's like, I'm supposed to take crap from the deep. He's like, he'd choose him over me. He's like, after everything that he did, now I'm just garbage. He, and Supersonic's like, he's like, what if there's something we can do about it? And he looks at him. He's like, what do you have in mind? Uh, Mother's Milk asked Butcher, like, what the heck's wrong with you? He's like, that poop you pulled with Ryan and now this cold-hearted poop that you said to Kamiko? Butcher asks if he remembers when they met. You know, he and he's like, "Yeah, I was in a brig for punching out my racist CO." And Butcher says that you know, two of his men in his platoon said that he was the one that held the platoon together. That he was a natural born leader. And Mother's Milk's like, "You never told me that." And Butcher says that you know, he's like, "I have no illusions as to who I am." He's like, "As hard as it as I have to be." He's like, "You're here to look after the boys." Kamiko arrives. And, uh, and she's in a shiny sequence dress at this big mansion. Frenchie's like driving his van, so he like sits in the car or sits in the van while she walks up to the house. She's brought to a room where there's like this like big overweight dude with like four or five other women. He opens his cabinet of contraband, which is basically like um, seven themed the seven themed dildos. He like takes one, he goes up to one the other woman or like that, and then. He like tells her to kneel or something. Then Kamiko shoves one through the back of his head, and the woman starts screaming. And then um, like she kicks off her heels. She starts fighting the guards that are in the room too. And um, so bloom, 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 all this stuff like that. And then she goes to take a picture of the dude's body, and then she gets shot in the forehead. And I'm like, holy crap! Because I momentarily forgot that she can heal. So she heals, she gets back up, and the woman with the gun, she's like shaking, she like drops it, she like begs and everything, and you know, she's trying to reassure him that like, no, it, it's okay, you know, you're you're all right. Edgar talks to Newman before the press conference, so she's nervous, and he just says, just you know, remember he deserves this. So Starlight, Supersonic, Maeve, and A-Train are watching the press conference. Homelander comes in and Newman says that the most powerful man among us. Uh, are not above the law, including the most powerful man at the company. She's like, Homelander has bravely come forward as a whistleblower and provided evidence of crimes committed within Voight by CEO Stan Edgar. So it's like, what the heck is going on? In the coming days, the FBSA will be investigating charges of blackmail, perjury, and obstruction of justice against Mr. Edgar. Homelander smiles um, and she's like, Void International must be held to the highest ethical and legal standards. Maeve turns to Homelander and asks, like, what'd you do? And he's like, something I should have done a long time ago. It's like, this is a superhero company. Always has been. Belongs to us, not him. So I set things, you know, straight. And he turns to leave. He's like, oh, and anyone who's been hiding behind his little apron, that's over too. It's a new day, people. They look at each other and then A-Train like nods to Supersonic like he's in. So at first I was like, is Edgar getting taken away? But then he's allowed to talk to Newman and he's like, why? And she's like, all these years you weren't protecting me. I was protecting you and I have to look out for Zoe. 
<sighs> what is she thinking? Ashley says that, you know, she's talking to some, this dude. She's like, all talking points go through mo- through her. She approves every single word of copy. And then she uses this line on, on the dude. He says, he's like, when he, you know he she said something stupid or something like that and then this kind of leads to other things that they're gonna end up having sex or something like that she's gonna punish him for being stupid or something like that i don't know um kamiko arrives back butcher asks how she, um, she did it and she tosses a phone to him and he like looks at the video and he's like oh nina's gonna love this he's like see easy peasy and she just like leaves the room Later, she's alone with Frenchie, and she signs. She's like, I can't do this. And she mentions those girls, and Frenchie says that they shot her because they were just scared. Oh, She's like, I know. She's like, I don't blame them. She's like, they were bought and sold, same as I was. And, and she's like, Butcher sold me, and he doesn't treat any of us as people. She's like, you know, Butcher, Shining Light, Nina, they're all the same. So Shining Light was like that terrorist organization that, that used her. He's like, or she says that they only have each other, and he's like, you're right he's like it's time to leave so she's like when and he says he's like he's like forget butcher or whatever he's like but huey and, and mother's milk you know need us so we finish this job and you can tell she's kind of bummed at that and then he then he's like where do you want to go and so i guess they're gonna go to like his hometown or his you know whatever his his country marcel's i don't know Newman goes upstairs at her place. She finds like the balcony door open. Then she hears like a drawer shut. She turns around and Homelander's in her bathroom, like looking through her stuff. And he's like, Hey. And um, then he's like, you know, be honest. He's like thinking of popping my melon, you know, who knows? Give it a whirl. And she's like, can we make this quick? It's been a long day. And he's like, Oh, it can't be easy. You know, doing that to the old man. But if it's any consolation, he was ready to do the same to you. And he, he hands her a file that he took, from Edgar's office and she's like that's how I found out that you are one of us and she looks at she's like this isn't his it's someone else's and Homelander's like no it's his and he's like you're not his daughter you're his weapon it's what they do it's like they all do it she interrupts and asks if he has it or not so he hands her a pouch and he's like there it is original recipe all 11 secret herbs and spices then he goes to leave and he's like, Vicky, he's like, I'm glad you chose your own kind. That was very smart. So Butcher puts Temp V in a syringe. He's like shooting it up and Huey walks in. He's like, what are you doing? And he's like, contingency. Then Huey shuts the door and he's like, I want to try some. And Butcher's like, that stuff is poison. He And he's like, sooner or later, Homelander's going to find Ryan. So he, he has to do this. Huey doesn't. He says that, you know, uh, Huey's like, Annie is in just as much as danger he's like homelander almost you know lasered him in half in front of her and it was like he was in front of every bully that ever bothered him and she had to save him again he's like i'm so angry he's like i can barely breathe and butcher says that it's uh it's crap or something like that it's it's not power it's punishment and he's like you know you don't deserve none of it Stan is looking out the window of the sevens room, like the, the big office, whatever. And he's, he's like, he's like, oh yeah, you, you do have a heck of a view from up here. He's like, I'll give you that. So, you know, Homelander's there. He's like, unbelievable. 80 over 60. Your whole life is imploding and you're as calm as if, as if you're reading a John Grisham novel. So he keeps talking. Edgar doesn't reply. And, you know, he's trying to make like little kind of smart remarks or whatever. And then Homelander's, he's like, don't blame Vicky. And he's like, I don't. He's like, if it was one thing I taught her, it was play all sides. It's like, she's more like me than I ever imagined. And he says that um, he is curious what Homelander gave her. 
and he says a little respect, something that he should have given him. Edgar asks, what good would that have done? He's like, where would it go but to the bottomless gaping pit of insecurity he calls a soul? Homelander kind of like nervously laughs, whatever. And he's like, I used to be intimidated by you. Now I look at you. I don't know why. He's like, you're not even pathetic. You're nothing. Edgar says, then why are you still here? Looking for my approval like I'm your daddy? He's like, even if you were, what would there be to approve of? He's like, the company's yours. He's like, there's no one left to stand up to you. But you know, he thinks that he'll sorely regret that. And he's like, why is that? He's like, because there's no one left to cover for you either. Eventually, probably soon, the world is going to recognize you for the pitiful disappointment that you are. He's like, you're not worthy of my respect. He's like, you're not a god. You're simply a bad product. And Homelander's it's like smile like kind of fades. So, man, you got to hand it to Edgar. I don't like the guy, but he, he he's got some some basketballs, man. He's he's Homelander could easily just take him out because he doesn't care about consequences. Newman is with her daughter, and daughter's like nervous about something. Vicky's like, "Oh, you know, don't be nervous." He's like, "You know, they did they did this to me." So she's like, "Just lay in your stomach." She opens a packet, and there's like a blue vial, and she injects it into her like her back into her spine, and her daughter screams, and she's like screaming and, and sobbing. So she injected her with with V. Mother's milk. He's he, they're in somewhere. He, he's like, "This isn't a lab. It's a military compound." So it's like a Russian military compound. They they cut the power. <laughs> it takes them a while. Then they're just like looking around in the dark. And it's like, how do you even, they don't even know what this gun is supposed to look like. They find this, there's a big metal chamber. Frenchie finds this cute hamster in a cage. His name is, is Jamie. Mother's Milk's like, just leave it. Then it starts like bouncing all over the cage and everything like that. It's like kind of cracking the glass. This alarm goes off and red lights are on. Soldiers come in shooting. Jamie ends up like killing a soldier by burrowing into his head. Um, mother's milk is like out of ammo butchers out uh, he looks at Huey and he smiles so he gets their attention and then they start shooting at him as he walks towards him laser eyes mother's milk and the others stare at him in like disbelief a guy walks up behind mother's milk Huey he's like he sees him calls out to him Huey teleports out of his clothes slams his fist through the guy's like midsection and and then so I guess his arm is healed. <laughs> and Frenchie, he's like, What are you both soups now? And Butcher's like, it was temporary. And Kamiko signs. She's like, Why would you do this to yourself on purpose? And he says it was like a break glass in case of emergency. And Frenchie's like, And you gave it to Huey? Butcher's like, No, he must have nicked it. And he like looks at him, like glares at him. Mother's milk says, He's like, You're better than this kid. And he, he starts to apologize to Butcher, but then he just like glares at him and like walks away. Because Huey's like, I'm sorry, but you know, because he 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 stole it. So they they go back to um, you know looking. Butcher opens up the metal cabinet. Um, he rips open the door. There's like smoke inside. There's a body in there inside. There's a breathing mask on, a beard. Body starts moving, and Butcher whispers, "Soldier boy." So then he frees himself, like rips some stuff off him. He walks out slowly, and he turns a Frenchie, and he his uh, his chest like starts lighting up. And Kamiko shoves him out of way, takes the hit. Frenchie goes to her. He's like, she's not healing. So they're driving in the van. Frenchie, I think I think Soldier Boy just like walks out. They're driving in the van. Frenchie and Mother Smoke are trying to get Kamiko to keep her eyes open, or anything like that. Butcher looks back in the mirror. He's like, 
Soldier Boy was always their a-hole, but not like that. They must have done something to him. Then he asks Mother's Milk what he thinks, and he just like shakes his head, and he's like, it's over. He's like, there's no team for me to hold together anymore. He's like, you made sure of that. Then Homelander and Starlight, they um, exit someplace, like a restaurant or I don't know, whatever. There's like photographers outside. Then he's he's like, oh, I want to fly. And she's like, oh, no, the car's right here. And then he's like, no, I have a view I want to show you. So then he like he takes her. So on top of the rooftop, he's like, you know, he talks to her a little bit. And then she sees Alex supersonic. He's like dead. His head's like caved in or something like that. And she calls him a flipping psycho and her eyes light up. And he's like, oh, stop it. He's like, you know how that ends. And he says, it's as much as your fault it is, is his. He's like, A-Train told me about them two mutineers. He's like, I'm going to break it down so you understand. There will be no more plotting, planning, playing around. He's like, from here on out, he's like, you're only my dutiful, loving, main-squeeze starlight, worshipping me and me alone. If if she steps one inch out of line, then that, um, and he, he points to Headless Supersonic, he's like, that will be Huey. He's like, do you understand this time? And she nods. He's like, good. Then say it so I know. And she's like, that'll be Huey. And then, um, so she, you know, she said, then he's like, find your own way home. And he flies off. And she just like stands there like with tears. So uh, how is he going to explain this? Like, oh, supersonic. He just joins a team. Now he's dead. Yeah. So he's just, he's so unhinged. It's just crazy. With Ms. Marvel, season one, episode two, crushed. So at school, at first I'm like, what's going on? So Kamala has like this very different approach to walking down the hall, like way different from last episode. She's like more confident. Um, the coach comes up to her, calls her Kamala. She's like, actually, I've been meaning to tell you my name is Kamala, not Kamala. He's like, oh, really? And I'm like, is this a dream? Because she's like, you know, like almost like finger gun, like different people. And she like gets the people like blocking her locker to move and everything like that. But then people are talking about Zoe. So her follower account has apparently like, like quadrupled or whatever because she had contact with an actual superhero. And then they see her like in a cafeteria. She's like telling a story with a lot of flourish, you know, telling it to a group of, of students. And uh, Kamala's other friend, Nakia, refers to Zoe as being saved by a budget Captain Marvel. And she's like, thank you. Or something, you know, and then he's, he's like, what? And anyways, so she doesn't know. Nakia doesn't know. Someone asked Zoe who saved her. And she's like, uh, her, her name, I think her name was, was Nightlight. Yeah, it was Nightlight. And Kamala's like, what? But, you know, she keeps like a really low profile. And, and she's like, it was just also life-changing, which is why I'm going to have a party on Friday. And, you know, Kamala like doesn't want to go. But then Zoe invited this boy named Cameron, who um, she ran into the hall earlier. And um, so she's like, we definitely should go to that party. Bruno's like, what? So uh, Bruno says that, you know, he really doesn't want to go. And, you know, she's working on her powers, you know, doing some training, whatever. And she's like, you know, trying to do some push-ups. And then she gets an idea with like floating platforms to jump on and like, you know, practice on, on a rooftop. And she finally gets them to stay up so she can like kind of jump on them. Kamala and Nakia, they go to pray and uh, they notice the mosque needs repair. You know, they're, they're making comments stuff like that. And someone stole Nakia's shoes and there's like running for like the, the mosque council or something like that. And, and Kamala tells Nakia that she should run or whatever. Kamala tells her mom, you know, she goes home. She's like, I'm sorry for sneaking out. And she's like, then this is probably like the worst time. But she mentions Zoe's having some people over and her mom decides to let her go. Cameron does a 
at the party, they get there. He does like this flip off the pool house into the pool. Kamala and Nakia like stare at him. You know, they're talking. Police arrive. Cameron's like, oh, I have a car. He's like, it's my uncle's, whatever. And so they leave. Bruno is clearly jealous. Kamala's in the front seat. So he's in the back with Nakia. He, you know, she's saying something about his car. He's like, oh, you want to try to drive it? She's like, oh, really? And he's like, but you failed your driving test. You know, it's like that. So he just like, you know, calls her out on it. Uh, Cameron drops them all off at the Circle Q. And then he asks for Kamala's phone. And he gives his number if she ever wants to go for driving lessons. And he says bye to everyone. He's like, it's nice meeting you. He's like, says her name. and he, But he calls Bruno Brian. And Bruno's like, he knows my name's not Brian. So he's clearly jealous. Um, Kamala comes home. She's like singing and dance to, uh, dancing to Be My Baby by the Ronettes. Uh, she dances up to her room. She gets a text from Cameron. First lesson Monday. And she's like super excited. She's like totally. And she's like, ee! she's like all giddy and everything. She's daydreaming in class. Um, and then her nose she starts glowing. She gets like this. Is her nose like covered with lights, like crystals. So, you know, she kind of like tries hiding it she goes to the bathroom Nakia comments that she's been acting kind of weird lately she talks about like what she's going through her parents aren't thrilled that she's wearing a hijab uh is that how you say it hijab the the head covering so her whole life she's been either too white for some people or too ethnic for others when she first put it on she was hoping to like shut some people up because you know her parents wanted to be more like American I guess that's how it was in the comics. But, you know, she realizes she doesn't really ha- need to prove anything to anybody. So when she puts it on, she feels like herself. And, like, you know, she has a purpose, which is probably why she's going to run for the mosque board. Bruno meets with that cool counselor dude, Gabe. He's, he's like, you got it. He's like, got what? He's like, the early immersion program at Caltech. He's like, you'll be spending next semester in the dorms on campus. Bruno's like, that sounds expensive. Gabe's like, nope. He's like, everything is free. It's all paid for, even the meals. Bruno's like, I don't know what to say. He's like, uh, can I think about it? So he's a little disappointed. He asks Bruno, he's like, Have you ever, did you ever see a movie? He's like, yeah, I've seen a movie. And Gabe says, you know the part in a movie when someone comes up and says, you're going to be a Jedi or you want to answer phones of a demanding but impossibly chick magazine editor he's like well that's this moment he's like you have to do it bruno says but it's in california after school kamala sees cameron and uh so she heads towards his car and bruno like comes up to her he's like oh i have some ideas about training and you know i really want to talk to you about something and she's like uh i can't train today he's like how come then he sees cameron he's like oh but she's like, but I, I do want to ask you something. And she's like, you know, my mom wants to know if, if you're coming to Eid with us. So it's, I guess it's like some like festival thing or whatever. And he's like, uh, yeah. And Cameron, so there he, she gets in the car. He like lets her drive. Then later they're sitting in a restaurant. They're talking about movies. Like they, because I think he mentioned his mom liking the Bollywood movies. And he's seen some, they talk about Kingo. At first I'm like, who, who is this supposed to be? Kingo's from the Eternals so that was a nice little like eternals cinematic universe connection reference but um he he mentions about his him and his mom having moved around a lot then uh she sees her brother and his fiance outside so she tries like hiding behind a menu and then amir comes in and kamala like trying to say she's like oh this is our cousin and they you know they they see they he kind of falls for it that it's like from the one family he's like oh yeah i think i remember you cameron whatever so dinner with amir uh fiance and the parents 
the talk soon goes on to Kamala to her mom's mom. Kamala looks at at the bracelet and it's like glowing. So the house starts shaking, whatever. There's a bright light behind them, but then she really just fainted or something like that. So later she's FaceTiming her nani, her, her grandmother. She mentions a bracelet and says that it belonged to her mother or something like that. And the one who disappeared during partition. So Kamala's great grandmother. Then she says that she's spoken too much about it and she's not going to talk anymore. And then dad comes, comes upstairs and he he's like, hears her talking to someone. So he's like trying to listen, like who she's talking to, I guess. Then later the next day, whatever, dad's talking to Mir about a Bon Jovi cover band, I guess, to play at the wedding reception or something like that. And he says how like, you know, her mom likes likes the band or something like that. She's putting eyeliner on Kamala before they go to this Eid thing. Kamala asks her if she knows what happened to great grandma Aisha. And, you know, she's like kind of taken aback. She's like, where did you hear that name? And she's like, from Nani. She's like, I talked to her last night and a name came up. And mom's like, that woman brought shame to our entire family. So she says that she had to move halfway around the world to forget it. Then she tells Kamala to let it go. Then Taisha, the fiance, is at the door. So they go to Eid. Runo's there. Um, he and Kamala run into Nakia. She's passing out flyers, you know, because she's running for the board. Zobi, Zoe is brought to the DODC. Which I don't know if they told us what it was. So I guess DOD is the Department of Damage Control because it's supposed to be damage control. That's who these people are. So Agent Cleary talks to her, says that he recognized her from her social media. He's like, oh, I can't believe it was you. And she's like, oh, you found And then he brings up Avengers kind. I think he's just like kind of playing her. And he says that uh, then the enhanced girl tried to kill you. And Zoe's like, no, she saved my life. And then he says that he has a feeling that she did this for the likes. And you know maybe it was her bestie or her sister and then Deaver comes in too, asks if she had an accent, like Middle Eastern or South Asian. So are they familiar with Kamala's great-grandmother somehow with the powers? I don't know. Kamala talks to the others about her great-grandmother and says that, you know, she has a good mother. She doesn't um, deserve the shame that she brought. So she put a curse on everything that she touched. And, you know, they said something like she had many affairs or whatever. Then there's this kid high up in the tower. He's like trying to take selfies or something like that. And he's like trying to change the filter and he like drops his phone. So he you know, goes to catch it, but then he kind of falls out the window and he's like hanging onto like a curtain and it's like starting to rip off the, the, the rings. So Kamala decides to do something. So she changes into her costume. Somehow she goes to this nearby rooftop and then some dude's like, look, it's nightlight. Kamala talks to the kids that try to like distract him and you know calm him down uh, because she's like, "What's your favorite food?" And he's like, "Ice cream pizza." And then Kamala starts making like the feet platform, and she starts running, and she throws one under the kid, but uh, she slips or he he slips. Kamala tries catching him. They they land on this like big platform. Kamala like jumps to the other rooftop and does like a superhero landing. You know everyone's looking, and then. Uh, she sees like this older woman in this place. Like there's like a light and she sees like a vision of somebody. And then like the, the light uh, platform beneath him disappears. She tries catching him and misses. He lands on like a different platform, whatever, but then like smashes onto the car roof. So he's fine, but he's, he's probably gonna be a little, a little injured. And then in an alley, a drone detects her and she starts running. Agents are there. They try like shooting at her with like these like weird net guns or something like that. Then Cameron pulls up and tells her to get in. And it, it, this is this part that really bugs me. As soon as she gets one, why would Cameron know to perfectly be there at that right perfect time? 
And then the the main thing is she takes off her mask right away. So I don't know if he, I can't remember if he called her name out or if he just said get in. But she takes off her mask and basically she reveals who she is. And then uh, a voice in the back seat's like, Kamala, I've been waiting a very long time to meet you. And he's like, oh, this is my mom. So her mom was there or his mom was there and just sitting in the back seat. So I think um, his mom is supposed to be like the villain of, of this, this season. So that's probably why they've been moving around. So we'll have to see what's going to happen. But again, it's 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 such a nice show. I mean, it's so, so good. And uh, looking forward to the next one. And now the movie feature is Lightyear. So Disney, Pixar. It's so weird watching the Pixar movies now because, you know, it starts off with the Disney logo and, you know, the, whatever. You have to accept it. But, you know, we, we see the Pixar, you know, bouncing out and jumping on the letter. But what's really weird is, you know, I'm trying to think, when was the last time we had like the Pixar short at the beginning? Because it feels like it's been a while, and I, I kind of miss that. And I know um, for a while, Pixar was like releasing shorts on on like YouTube, but it, it I don't know, there's something about like not being able to see that. So the movie is uh, basically, it's the movie that the toys, that the toy Buzz Lightyear was based off of, the, the Andy Watch or something like that. And you know, there's been some talk about, like, why is it Chris Evans? Why isn't it Tim Allen? And they kind of basically say, how, you know, Tim Allen, his Buzz Lightyear was kind of like comedy relief. You know, he was goofy and everything like that. In the movie, you know, he's supposed to be more of an action hero. And, you know, Chris Evans kind of you know, pulls that up and everything. And I, I think it's fine, whatever, I get it. And, you know, a lot of times when you have a movie and the toys based off of it, they don't sound alike. You know, sometimes they'll use clips or whatever, but maybe there was some sort of legal reason and they couldn't, you know, who cares? You know, it's, they're two separate things. Basically, we see the story of of, of Buzz Lightyear and, um, it, you know, he's, he's a galactic ranger in Star Command and, you know, he he's just, a I think, a, a captain. So he's not even like the commander or anything like that. So he's he's working with his his friend Alicia, Alicia Hawthorne, and you know we see like because I think it starts off where you're like in like suspended animation and then this alert goes off so you know he comes out so they go to his planet and then uh, things kind of don't go so well so they end up getting stranded on this planet because they they have no fuel source or their fuel source got destroyed or something like that so the big thing is about trying to escape and you know if, if they can reach hyperspace and they can you know fix their ship and, and get off planets but they end up it takes like at least a year until they they can get a test flight going so they you know they've they've built some structures and stuff around there and they end up being there a long time and and um, I don't want to give too much away, obviously, but you know we, we can see like, and Buzz is kind of like blaming himself that you know that because of the decision he made that caused them to land on this planet and get stranded there. But like no one like really blames him or whatever. 
So it's it's just interesting that you know he just he wants to do the, the right thing. He wants to help them and, and everything, and and he doesn't care about like the cost that he keeps doing this because like he'll keep trying to go on these like test test drives and and there is a, like a, a there's sort of like a price to be paid each time he tries to take the ship to hyperspace because you know he has to fly like around the sun slingshot and come back. So it's it's interesting seeing it's like wow you know like what what's going on. There's um. At one point, uh, which this isn't really a spoiler or anything, but his so his friend Alicia, she's gay, and you know one point she mentions her her like fiance or something like that, and and you may have heard the controversy that there is a same sex kiss, and it's just so ridiculous. Let's just pause on the movie discussion and talk about how ridiculous this is. It's, I mean, it's so completely innocent. I'm glad that they decided to keep it in there because they could have easily easily just like not had it included in the movie you know all it is is like door opens and and there's this woman there greets her smooch and that's it it's like there's nothing like oh my goodness you know the children are gonna see this it's so i i is it absolutely necessary? No, but it's about inclusion and representation. So that's that's totally fine. It does not affect the mo- movie in any way, but it's important to have that, that this is something that's real. Now, would that have been in a movie in 1995 or whatever not? Whatever the, it was supposed to come out? Maybe not, but I, I, I think it's good that they put that in there. And the fact that, like, was it Saudi Arabia or someone who won't show the movie because of, of that... I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's just. I guess what I don't understand. You know, people who have their beliefs, and I, I, I'm not trying to tell people what to believe and what not to believe. But that being said, you don't have what gives you the right to tell other people what to believe or not to believe. So if if two women want to kiss, or two dudes want to kiss, or a man and a woman want to kiss, that's that's between them. It has nothing to do. No one else should be telling people what they can or can't do. Unless it's something illegal, of like like killing people or robbing a bank, that you can't do that. You might kiss someone, kiss kiss someone. It's just so, you know. And it was it was just like it was such a natural you know thing and whatever. So basically, uh, the the movie comes up. We see like other characters as. Uh, there's bigger bigger threats happening you know we have we we get to see zerg and his attacking force um taika watiti has a, a he plays a character uh, I, I forget the character's name but he's he's kind of a goofy character and everything like that but just i, I think i mentioned it earlier just taika watiti's delivery i kind of want to watch uh jojo rabbit now i haven't i've been meaning to watch that again but taika watiti is just really great so you know i'm, I'm so glad he was he was here was he crucial to it no but he adds a lot to it and and you know just chris evans you know he does a good job as buzz lightyear and, and i i kind of like the serious buzz lightyear that he's not all you know goofy and everything like that that this is a guy that he is on a mission you know he and he is determined to to finish this mission no matter how long it takes he's going to keep at it keep at it keep at it so i i think that that's that's kind of a, a good thing and then just um the whole stuff with with Emperor Zerg, it's kind of interesting. If you've seen like Toy Story two, you know like the revelation about who Zerg is and everything. So here, 
um, things play out a little differently. So is this like messing with continuity or whatever? So, you know, we do get something and I won't, won't go into specifics like what exactly how things may or may or changed, but it was an interesting uh, little twist and it makes sense for the, the, the story because otherwise, like, what is Zerg's mission or what, why is he here and everything like that? So this kind of gives another reason for, like, why Zerg is doing what he's doing. But, um, yeah, so it's interesting, like, how that affects the other things. I mean, maybe there's a movie, maybe there's a cartoon, and maybe the cartoon is what the toys are based off of. Like, maybe the movie was more for adults and then they did, like, because I, I think in Toy Story, wasn't it like a TV show? Or maybe it was a movie. I don't know. But, uh yeah and i i really don't know what else more there is to say i mean it, it's really good to affect just looking at it, like there's times where i was you know i i don't often note or fully appreciate all the the crazy graphics that pixar is able to, to do you know we just i take it for granted you know each movie is like such a spectacle but there is a point a part where like just looking at buzz lightyear's hair it's like, oh my goodness, that hair is, you know, they always do that. And uh, just like with Turning Red, you know, which I actually still haven't finished that movie. But, you know, just they they got the hair down, you know, hair, fire, waters, like they make that look so real. And just looking at Buzz's hair, just kind of like, I, I don't remember if it was like kind of blowing in a wind a little bit or it's just it's so amazing, like what they, they can do. And uh, so it, it was cool. And, and, um, I should say socks the the robot robotic cat. I like that cat. There, you know that was another nice addition to the cast and everything like that. Just so on the other the other members of the cast, which I don't want to give away one thing, but it was just like all around. It was just really really good and really really fun movie. And there's like some emotion parts, you know, where you think about Buzz and you know his his friend and just like the mission and like all the losses and you know what what they've been going through and everything like that. So it's it's uh, it's I would definitely say it's like a feel good movie and it's it's visually it it looks amazing. So it is I think it's worth seeing in a theater, but again, some people might want to wait. I'm sure it'll be on Disney Plus. I don't know if they have a 45 day window if you want to wait that long, but. I, I also think it's important to support movies in the theaters so you know we can have them keep making movies. The budget for this was 200 million, which uh, you know that seems like way more than like some some other recent like action movies that that we've had. So um, I don't know. I mean, hopefully it'll do well. I think it's projected to make between 70 and 85 million this opening weekend, and it made about 23 million on its first day. So and and it did five point two million from Thursday night showings. So I, I would think it would have made more on Thursday, but there's that. And uh, looks like Rotten Tomato it's at a seventy eight percent. So I wonder why. What some people let's see. Consensus reads Lightyear settles for being a rather conventional origin story instead of reaching for the stars. But this gorgeously animated adventure ably accomplishes its mission of straightforward fun. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, Metacritic, whose weighted average gives uh, the score sixty-one out of a hundred. That doesn't seem that that doesn't seem like very favorable. I mean, maybe I, I just don't understand how Metacritic's working. But I would think out of a hundred, it's like no, sixty-one's not good. Based on fifty-five critics, indicated generally favorable reviews. But then, isn't a sixty-one like a D? Am I just 
thinking like heights teaching scores. I don't know. So it's it's. I think it's a good movie. I liked it. I think it was great, and I want to watch it again. I don't think I'll go to theater and see it again because there's so many other things to see. But definitely when it comes on Disney Plus or I, actually I think I I might be tempted to buy the movie. I, I might want to get it because it it just looks so good and and it was a fun movie. So I I do want to see it again and I will as soon as I can. So I think you should too, and I think you should get ready because that is going to be it for this week's episode almost uh three and a half hours so we're trying to get it a little more reasonable so here we go big thanks to david mcphail and andrew loken for being big supporters of the show you can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gman from heck any amount you can commit to will be awesome if you commit at the rick jones tier or higher you get access to the secret podcast from heck which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week I'm currently talking about the New Teen Titans. New Teen. I'm getting stuffed up again. The New Teen Titans from 1980-1981. I think it's issue four. I did last week, so it'll be issue five. And uh, I need to decide what I'm going to do soon. I want to, you know, mix things up a bit. So we'll, we'll have that. If you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com/gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. And that is ko-fi.com/gmanfromheck. I realized I was going to briefly talk about the new Father of the Bride movie that came out on HBO Max with uh, uh, Andy Garcia and uh, Gloria Stefan. And uh, I forgot her name, Ada. I think her name is Ada. She was in the Belko Experiment, which I really love that movie. She She's the, the bride. Uh, that came out on HBO Max. So I would say it was, it was actually better than I thought. I liked it because it's not like this perfect, happy cookie cutter family um and it does have like the latin x angle which makes things you know a little different there's like a cuban and mexican you know connection you know backgrounds of different families uh but it wasn't like too in your face with that so it, it's it's worth watching and yeah it's a remake but it's a remake of a remake so you can't say oh it's not the steve martin version but like, hey the steve martin version wasn't the original so there's nothing wrong with, with that so th- that was good but it shows over. I'm, and I'm not going to try to edit and squeeze it in there. But um, that's going to be it for this week. Next week, the movie feature. So I had to choose between Elvis, but I'm not going to go with Elvis. The movie feature is going to be The Black Phone with Ethan Hawke. I am so, so excited. It looks creepy and scary. I don't really know the whole gist of the movie. I remember watching the teaser when it first came out. I, I don't need to know anything more. I'm going to be there. I'm going to watch it. I can't wait. We'll have the other shows. Like I said, Time Traveler's Wife, Obi-Wan Kenobi be the last episodes. Me, I still don't know about Westworld if I'm going to talk about that. We'll see how I feel and what I think. But that is going to be it. I hope my allergies become more manageable. I, um, I hope you are doing well. I hope you don't have allergies. I hope you're doing some fun things. I hope you're relaxing. Hope you're able to enjoy the summer. And I hope you remember to be good to each other.